passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to the NWA, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Yo. It's Righteous Reg. It's a case for the safe, keep a space for the Nubians. Unfiltered, off-kilter, the professor, the godfather. Post-wrestle in the NWA, not O-keep-guessing, huh? The views and expressions, you know the rest, it's pop excellence, get the message. Advocates for Nubian wrestling, you're listening to the best again. Black wrestling in the ring, we invested in. Nubian kings and queens, we invested in. It's for the culture and we repping it. It's for the culture and we repping it. And welcome to the end. WA podcast, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, the show all about getting color in the professional wrestling business. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am one of your hosts, the Godfather Nate Milton, and we are back and better than ever, blacker than ever, more hyped up off that Moderna and Hennessy than ever. And speaking of your favorite player's favorite cocktail, let me bring in my tag team partner. Let me bring in the co-host. This man hails from Southern California. He is the angry intellectual. Y'all know him. Y'all love him. Give it up for Chris, the Professor Ely. Chris, what's good, brother? Man, just chilling, yo. Just ready to talk about this uh, wrestling business. Let's not waste any time, brother. We got lots to get into, man. And so we got to start this show off. The way that we do every single month here on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. And that's by enlightening people, y'all. That's by bringing people the truth. That's by bringing people the news. So, ladies and gentlemen, y'all give it up for my nephew, the youngest in charge, Andrew Thompson with the news. Yo, yo, yo. What's good, brother Andrew? My dual uncles, Nate. And Moderna Chris <laughs> in the building. I don't yes. know if y'all. I don't know if y'all can see. I can't see Chris. My man I got the golden headset on right now, looking real lavish. 
Them post wrestling checks and stuff. <laughs> Chris out here living large now with this post wrestling money, y'all. <laughs> he like uh he's like on that episode of Chappelle show when when they finally started paying reparations. <laughs> your man uh your man Ashley Larry was out there in a the, in the truck. He's like, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. That's how Chris was living right now. But uh, like, like before we get into the news, man, because we got a lot to talk about this this month, Andrew. A lot of uh, big stories inside and outside of the squared circle. We do need to take a moment, take a pause for the cause, and pay our respects to a member of the family. You know, a member of the brotherhood that is no longer with us. Somebody who had an impact on the wrestling community probably a bigger impact than, than he even knew yeah. uh so let's let's start off the top uh by by taking a little time to reminisce over our, our brother uh jamal hepburn so uh chris uh, let's let's start with you first because i think you might have known him longer than than any of us here on the program uh just some thoughts about the brother some some fond memories you might have had of the brother man just tell the people about kind of your your relationship with jam so, yeah, so with Jamal, I met him back in, I want to say, 08, 09. Uh, I guess he saw me commenting on um, one of the law boards or whatever that he just started, like, just chatting up, wrestling with me and just sending me all kind of different stuff. And then we were in a, um, a few different chat discussions uh, together. I think even you were part of a few of them, uh, Nate, but he was he was a big time um, Heat fan and I was a Laker fan so we would go back and forth on that. Uh, he was he was just a, a, a cool cool dude and uh, like when I found out about his he, he went missing first mm-hmm. um, and then I found that out probably before most people online, I think me and Hugo um, found out that um, he went missing. So I started calling his phone. I was texting him to see where he was at. And then he signed on for a little bit, like the day after he was missing. And I was like, mm-hmm. dude, where are you at? People were looking for you. And then he signed off real quick. So that was a little bizarre. Um, and then um the, the next day I found out that he had uh, passed away and um, mm. you know and I knew that he had a lot of followers on Twitter and stuff like that because I, I know he would he would message um, like Chris Hero regularly he would message um, like Bronson Reed a bunch of different cats in wrestling and he amassed a huge online following just because of the videos and all the things that he posted and like he was really one of my uh better friends online Mm -hmm. and i don't know if like the one thing that i do want to do is i want to um i don't know if his if his parents even um knew how impactful he was his mom Mm -hmm. and stuff like that because this this was a brother who was autistic um, and he still managed to finish two college degrees, you know, and he was always 
um, up on the rise. I talked to him about wrestling. I talked to him about like personal things. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I talked to him about, you know, his his dreams, his goals, his ambitions. Um, and um, yeah, man, it was re- it was really really tough week when when he uh, passed away. Um, so I just hope that he stays um, entrenched in um, wrestling discussions about like, you know, all the just cool content that he provided. Some of this stuff, I don't know how he provided some of that stuff messed up my computer a little bit. Let's just say, let's just say the brother was, he was a, a primary investor in nefarious means cable company. Yeah, a, a, a finesser, as we call him. A, yes, yeah, a finesser, yeah. one of the original <laughs> finessers, man. Yeah, but he, it, he, yeah. It, it's funny, man, because like it's it's crazy because, like you said, like I had a friendly relationship with Jamal, and you know, it it kind of all goes back to that brotherhood group from the law, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of us, man. Like you know, yourself, me. Uh, Ronnie Rich is the enforcer out in, in H-Town. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Hugo, uh, uh, Chad. It's a, it's a bunch of, like, if I, if I start naming, uh, like, sweets, like, if I start naming too yeah. many people, like, I'm gonna leave somebody off, uh, just because they, they, there was a lot of us, man. And then, yeah, like, my earliest kind of memory and interaction with him was probably on some TNA stuff, man. Cause it was like times, Chris, when, when I was the only one out here trying to represent for TNA. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and Jam had my back in a lot of them conversations. And then, you know, kind of moving forward to 2013, when uh, we started the Kings of Sport podcast, like a lot of the support for that show came from the Brotherhood, came from, you know, uh, like that Facebook group. And, you know, he was always, since day one, one of the people that would write us and comment and, you know, have opinions and we go back and forth. Like I remember arguing about the heat when they had the big three, you know, and, and, and just going back and forth like that. And mm-hmm. always had a positive attitude. Always, even if we disagreed on a certain topic, man, he was, he found a way to disagree without being disagreeable. And again, you know, to kind of see the outpouring of love and respect after his untimely passing and, you know, like you said, people like Chris Hero, people like on this network, like I didn't know, you know, WH Park had a connection uh, to Jamal. And it's like, yeah. you never know the impact and the effect that you can have on people. And so, yeah, like I, I hope he knew while he was here how much he meant to us and how much he meant to the larger, you know, online wrestling community. Uh, and, and like we definitely will not let his memory be forgotten, man, because he was just a really, really good dude, man. You know, you hear so often, Andrew, about the negativity and the the the, the foolishness and the hateration and the holleration that comes, you know, from being online and interacting in social media in, in this wrestling space. But he was always, man, one of the good people out there that, that made every interaction, made every connection he had better just because of who he was as a person. Yeah, just like both you and Chris mentioned, like that outpour support for Jamal was, it, it, it really was beautiful to see, like so many different people, like even people, like like you said, people that you didn't know had interactions 
with them. Like they came out and shared so many different stories, man. So many people talking about uh, di- different conversations they had with them, whether it be wrestling, basketball, politics. Uh, it's because I, I had a couple conversations with them on through social media about politics, which are always entertaining, always funny. And um, like I even uh, remember a couple couple weeks back when I uh, put out the Chris Hero interview, he sent me a, a real nice message in my DM just saying some mm. nice things, man. We, we had a couple interactions like that when I would uh, look, be looking for a match when I'd be trying to do some research on the story or something. He had had that thing propped up and ready in like 10 minutes <laughs> on the, or like off the rip. Like, so he was like, and then, you know, after that, we'll have a couple more conversations, just, you know, short stuff, but it was always friendly, man. And he was just always a cool dude to me. And that, that, that stuff sticks out with me a lot, whether it be in person or on social media or whatever. Like when, when you're in a person, like when you and a person really don't, um, that necessarily know each other, but you know of each other. And there's still that like underlying sort of, um, respect or just mm-hmm. the, the people being nice, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like, cause especially like you said, um, you know, Twitter in some in some spaces can be uh, social media in some spaces can be very negative. You can have a lot of negative interactions with people, but just knowing that there's a group of people out there like Jamal who spread positivity and you know sort of bring people together through this thing that we here today talking about professional wrestling. Like he, he I, I I do hope just like you said, Nate, that he was able to realize um, like the impact that he had and like how easy and accessible he made it for so many people to tune into some of these matches and get some of these archive matches that you probably wouldn't even be able to find to be honest and um yeah man so i I hope that you know he he did know that and uh it it was really cool to see really beautiful to see so many people sharing so many stories about a man and uh yeah but blessings to his family no doubt no doubt and chris i guess you know my kind of last thing on this man is is not only do we want to, you know, honor the brother, you know, pay homage to the brother uh, this week, but also, man, like, let this be uh, another reminder. And I don't, I don't know why we always need to be reminded of this, Chris. Maybe it's just part of the human condition. But for for a lot of us, we take for granted the relationships we have, be that friends or family, or you know, like uh, connections on, on, on social media or whatever of people that make our lives better, of people that are, are just positive and good. And it shouldn't take something like this, man. It shouldn't take something tragic for us to appreciate the people in our lives. So, like, rest in power to this brother, man. He's somebody that will not be forgotten. Uh, certainly is not as long as we uh, have a microphone, not as long as we have a voice. We're not going to let people forget about this this dude, man. And, and, again, as Andrew said, man, bless us to his family and, and you know, Hopefully they can they can find some peace, man. It's not gonna be easy, but you know, hopefully they, they understand like how much this brother was loved, how much this brother was respected, and, and how much this brother's gonna be missed, Chris. Right, yeah. And that's you know, I've been kind of passing messages to um his brother through um Hugo, because Hugo actually had a um personal relationship um with them. The Miami um, boys. Yeah, you know, they were they 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 rolled together and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And even Hugo said that he, they weren't ever since Hugo got married, he wasn't um in constant communication with them, but he still um communicated with them and you know, we just yeah, like you said, we just got to um just keep his memory alive, man, and just uh, you know, um just just think about him every once in a while, which Absolutely. Which is, what I'm so yeah, rest in peace, Jamal Hepburn, brother. We appreciate you. We love you. We ain't gonna forget you. But uh, Andrew, 
like 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 we said, man, his brother was one of the OGs in terms of you know letting people find out about things. You know, like he he may have had an affiliation with nefarious means. I'm not gonna put that on on record just in case, <laughs> just in case the feds is listening. But but in the spirit of of our brother Jam, man, why don't you uh, enlighten us and give us some news that we might not know about, man? Definitely some uh some some good stories coming out this week. Um, first, first we're gonna start us off with uh, the good man, the Ring of Honor, pure champion Jonathan Gresham. Uh, he's had a very impressive year, match quality wise, man, and it's only gonna get better from here. Uh, September seventeenth, ladies and gentlemen, at GCW has in the room Jonathan Gresham will be going one on one with the legendary Minoru Suzuki. On top of on top of that, MLW's Calvin Tankman is also getting the chance to wrestle Suzuki uh, at the Wrestle Max show uh, in St. Louis. Uh, we we all know how popular Suzuki is, and to have two uh, two black men, uh, two prominent black men in wrestling, uh, very talented individuals, Jonathan Gresham and Calvin Tankman, uh, and marquee matches with them, especially if they turn out great. It's, it's going to be nothing but positive for Gresham and, and, Cal- and Calvin Tankman coming out of this. Uh, Chris, I'm going to uh, go to you first. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I've been loving this brother's um, ascent. Um, he's been um, on my radar for um, a little while. Um, he's, um, you know, small guy as far as yeah. like height and stuff but I mean you know he's he he impresses in the ring um, and that's all that matters at the uh, end of the day for me so um, I'm looking forward to him in the battle with uh, Suzuki um, oh, yeah, Chris, Chris that's going to be on your side today they ain't, um, ain't going to be in Los, Los Angeles mm-hmm. yeah yeah I see I wanted to go to that but I'm still kind of um have i'm taking this new medication and it's Mm. my body still getting used to it so i'm gonna i'm gonna make a team effort to try to go to it you say your mind is telling you yes (laughs) but your body (laughs) your body (laughs) look we we, we, we gotta put a moratorium to the r kelly reference hey i wasn't even gonna bring up robert's name you don't want to put his name out there i was just gonna say (laughs) that was a nate milton original uh (laughs) yo like i'm like you chris man i got a lot of love for this brother gresham man uh of course you know uh he's a georgia boy like so already Mm. I had affinity for this dude when he was coming up. I, I, I don't think, you know, we need to hold this man's size against him. Speaking for all the short Kings in the room, yeah. uh, in attendance. Yeah. Uh, like I think this dude is just continued to, to ascend, man. He's, he's in that spot, Andrew, where he's not quite like this fresh green, like newcomer, but he's also like still got lots of years ahead of him man like he's in that perfect spot like i think he's in his early 30s so like this dude is there like he's 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 right there on the cusp i feel andrew for for taking that next step like a lot of people already know about what what gresham can do they already know what he does in the ring but i think this is the year and maybe last year would have been the year if not for covid but i feel like he's he's right there andrew ready to take that next step yeah, he he 100% is not even a question. One of the best in-ring talents out there. When you're talking about just in-ring, it's hard not to throw Jonathan Gresham in that top 10 when you're looking at talents that's out there right now. I don't think there's many people that out there that can outwork him and that, that knows more about the sort of technical style of wrestling. And he kind of mixes everything in. Like he had a, he had a great match against, um, Adam Priest at the IWTV 100 show. And he had the match with Mike Bennett at, uh, at the, at the Ring of Honor Best in the World show, uh, last month. So, 
Yeah, John, Jonathan Gresham definitely was the best, one, one of the best wrestlers out there. And of course, uh, not, not, not to forget about Calvin Tankman, who, who wrestles in MLW. Uh, he, he's very, very, very talented. He's very he's young, too, I think, I believe. And um, yeah, man, him getting to wrestle Suzuki, that's going to be an interesting clash of styles. And I'm, I'm interested to see how both of those matches turn out. So yeah, shout, shout, shout out to them brothers, man, for securing the marquee matches, the main yes. event matches on, for GCW and uh, Wrestle Max, respectively. Uh, moving yeah. on, of course, a, t- a topic that has been covered all week. Uh, Nate, you talked about it on the post podcast, uh, SummerSlam podcast. Chris, I'm pretty sure that, that you got us a couple Twitter squabbles over this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's been covered all week, man. Uh, Bianca Belair lost uh, to, at SummerSlam to Becky Lynch on the August 27th episode of SmackDown. Uh, Belair, she uh, did appear on the show uh, and very, very happy. There's a big smile on her face. Um, and then she uh, she outlasted Zelina Vega, Carmella, and Leah Morgan in an elimination match to get another shot at the title. Uh, the Nationwide Arena in Columbus, they're advertising uh, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's title at Extreme Rules. So it looks like that's most likely going to be the route that they're going to go. Uh, I think we're all kind of thinking the same thing. If they knew that the outcome was going to be, you know, a Becky Lynch versus Bianca match, why couldn't they just have waited and then didn't switch at Extreme Rules? Mm-hmm. And, you know, following some other stuff. Um, of course, it's been, uh, it was reported uh, by PW Insider, who is a uh, credible source that we all know, uh, that Becky Lynch is going to be uh, presented as a heel. Um, she got a hell of a baby face reaction when she returned <laughs> on SmackDown. So we gonna, that's going to be interesting to see how that, how that works. But uh, Bianca also, the crowd, they reacted very positively to her as well. So, they, uh, Nate, when you look at it like that and you see that the crowd coming off that loss, maybe it was just that specific crowd in general. Like, we don't know. But ju- just judging off that, Seeing how the crowd reacted to Bianca, they still they see, they really seem like they're behind her still. But at the same time, it's going to be hard, I think, to present Becky Lynch as a heel just because of that uprise she had from being so, mm-hmm. sort of in a nothing position to really becoming the face of the company uh, for, for, for real, for real. So when you look at it like that, how, 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 how do you think what with the hindsight being twenty twenty? Do you do you think that uh, this this sort of road that they're taking with Becky versus Bianca at Extreme Rules? Um, it, it, it would w- still be as effective had not, you know, the squash match happened. And then on top of that, to, to try to speak a little bit about Bianca's professionalism, because I think that's something that's really been overlooked. Mm-hmm. She did a post-match interview, uh, post-show interview at the at the SummerSlam party, got her stuff on, it went straight to the party, man, smile on her face, mm-hmm. nothing bad about the... Co- I mean, and, and I know people would be like, oh, man, I know she probably pissed, but I mean, dude, like, what do you, what do you expect her to do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She's a professional, like... You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what she does. So I just wanted to get your thoughts about, you know, all of that. And then on top of that, you know, so, sort of seeing how Bianca handled the, the outcome of, of, of the whole scenario. Cause I'm pretty sure just as a human being, that shit is disappointing. Yeah. Well, not only is hindsight 2020 in terms of a week out from SummerSlam, Andrew, but, but like we got double the hindsight because full disclosure, we're recording this segment. After we recorded our panel discussion that Chris and I had with our guests this month. So, so not only I got 2020, Chris, I got 4040. I'm at the 4040 club ESPN on the screen right now. Yeah. When it comes to Bianca Belair and, and I'll just kind of go backwards, Andrew. Like I'll start with what we saw last night on SmackDown first because. This is a no-win situation for everybody involved. Like the match, whenever they have a, a actual legit match, not a 26-second match, like you know it's going to be fire. You know it's going to be good. But the story has already started off on the wrong foot where you've alienated a portion of your audience with the way that you did, Bianca, at SummerSlam on Saturday. 
And so then you, you compound that by making Becky the heel, like you said. You know, who wants to boo this woman that, that has come up, started from the bottom, now she's here. And not only did she did we see her on that ascent, Andrew, but she just came back from having a baby. Who wants to boo the mother? Like, nobody <laughs> wants to boo this woman, man. Like, that's not what yeah. we're trying to do. And so, like, I think there is a way to organically get to a Becky Lynch heel story, but this is not it. And it, it, it doesn't do Becky any favors. It certainly doesn't do Bianca any favors. And, and you know, I, I'll mention it in the second part of the show, but, you know, people try to make the comparison to Daniel Bryan and Sheamus. You know, so and, different, bro. So exactly. different. Like, so like that was something. And again, like, even if you want to say like, okay, maybe best case scenario, she becomes a female version of Daniel Bryan. Like it took Daniel Bryan a year and a half, two years to get to that <laughs> point, Andrew. And they, and the fans had to drag the company kicking yes. and screaming to the point where they finally pulled the trigger on D Bryan. And thank you. This is not the same thing, right? Like, I think that you have to give Bianca a lot of credit, man, because Obviously, like, yeah, on the one hand, this is her job. Like, so what do you expect her to do? Uh, right. She's, she's got to do her job. But we've seen in this business, in this professional wrestling business, we've seen some unprofessional people. Uh, shout out to that man, Terry. Um, I mean, I mean, if we've been real, you could look at Austin Aries when he lost to Mount Okay. Okay. Yes, that's an even more recent example than Terry. I just wanted to take the, take the cheap, <laughs> take the cheap pop and throw some shade at Terry, Andrew. Uh, but, but yeah, like I give Bianca all the credit in the world, man, because she is somebody when you look at kind of the new direction, quote unquote, for NXT, she's what they want. Yeah. Somebody who all doesn't grown. have, all, right. Homegrown doesn't have all this indie baggage, quote unquote, like a, a pure natural athlete personality that jumps off the screen like why wouldn't you maximize this and and so my issue is not that bianca lost the title andrew my issue is the way that they did it and it was mm-hmm. very even a week later man it's disrespectful it doesn't sit well with me it 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 frankly ruined SummerSlam. like if you yeah. look at the energy especially online like it's a different story if you were there in attendance because I have friends that were, were in Vegas and they say like the vibe in the building was different than people watching at home. But for most of the folks watching at home, the show died for about a good hour after that Bianca match and didn't pick up again until Seth and Edge, man. So like they, how do you fumble the bag, Andrew, with, with Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair? That story should write itself, but unfortunately like they, they had to get in their own way and I don't know if they're going to be able to fix this. Yeah, and before we pass it over to Chris, like, like I mean, the, the, the obvious route that they're going is Extreme Rules in September, and m- most likely Becky Lynch is going to retain the title. But I'm like, you could have easily just done that match at Extreme Rules with Bianca going in as champion and then have yep. them go out there and have a good match and then, you know, do the title switch there because it, 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 it's, it's going to be even... I would say the reaction that people from people that are upset about the way Bianca lost is going to be even worse because if they go out there and have a great match, people will be like, well, why didn't you just do that at SummerSlam? Or why mm-hmm. didn't you just wait until, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 it's a lot of stuff within that. But before Chris. Yo, does, here, here's the bad thing, Andrew, before we turn it over to Chris. Like, uh, they, the booking for this has been so bad. You got Liv Morgan out here catching strays. Because I'm watching <laughs> this. Like, like, ain't nobody got 
beef with Liv Morgan. Everybody loved Liv Morgan. They made me actively angry on SmackDown. When Liv Morgan came out, I was like, I need a shot. Like, no, you don't. Like, the no. hell you do? Like, yeah. I'm going to need you to wait till this sister gets her, her, uh, her, her rematch. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Why, why do you have me feeling some type of way about Liv Morgan like that? From a from a storyline standpoint, Andrew, like they've messed us all the way up, man. Probably one of the cooler things that I recently saw from Bianca. I don't know if y'all had a chance to see the picture. It, 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 it was just like a cool moment. Like it, it might not seem that cool to a lot of people, but like if like like us, you growing up in a black household, like seeing what she she posted a picture of Naomi and her in the locker room, mm-hmm. and Naomi was like doing her hair, and Bianca had captioned it. She was like, uh, "Sometimes it's just the therapy you need," and I mm-hmm. you, you know, and I I think we. We get that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that type of that that that's a small sentence says a lot within you know, and and I think most of us catch that. So before you know, hey, good, I was gonna pass it over to Chris now. Yeah, the, what did Florida Evans say when uh, James died? Uh, damn, 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 damn. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is just. More of the same kind of bullshit from WWE. I get, I get tired of it. I get frustrated with it, um, and I just, I don't even want to see where it's gonna go because I don't think it's gonna go anywhere productive. I go back and forth with, is Bianca going to get? to that level again because I can see her getting back to that level again but I could also easily see them being like you know what um, you had your turn you're just going to be like every other woman on this roster now mm-hmm. um, and I hope the, the latter doesn't happen but I do think WWE is a company where they have who they feel are their stars, you know? It's that unconscious bias thing, because people, like, um, the, to me, it's the people that don't want to talk about race in this situation are the ones that are clueless. They're the ones that, that got the problems, you know? Um, you know, they, they're the ones that, that aren't, um, critically thinking about this situation. Um, hold, hold on here, Chris. Hold on a minute, brother. You are not going to bring your, your, your critical race theory onto the, <laughs> onto the Nubian wrestling. How dare you, sir? Yeah. yeah. What, 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 why does everything have to be about race? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish it, see, that's the thing, too, is I wish it didn't have to be oh about race. But it's like every if it yes. if you hold on, keep, Chris. Let's yeah. let's underline this point because I think this is something that gets lost in the sauce a lot of times. Like people are like, man, why why do why do well, you know black people always have to talk about race, or why do you know uh, LGBTQ folks always have to talk about you know homophobia? Why do women always have to talk about sexism? Like, dog, no, we we don't want to talk about this, but in order to get rid of this stuff. We have to talk about. It. Believe me, I would love to be able to wake up and not have to talk about race on any of these shows ever again. But that's right. not the world we live in, Chris. Yeah, it's like if you if you want to talk about this, certain conversations, race are just gonna is just gonna be a part of the conversation. You can't just ignore that component to it. You can't ignore um, the fact that 
Kofi Kingston was black when the, when the same kind of thing happened to him with Brock Lesnar, and now it's happening with Bianca. You know? And then the thing is, Chris, like, again, like, getting back to the booking, like, everybody in that company gets hit with a bad booking brush from time to time. Yeah, yeah. The, the issue is if you're black or if you're brown or if you're, you know, a woman not named Charlotte Flair, mm-hmm. like, your numbers, like, the numbers and the percentage, right? Right. It's skewed. Because yeah. if you've got 20 white dudes on the main roster and 10 of them are being booked bad, that's bad, but it's only half. Yeah. If you've got 15 black dudes on the roster and 10 of them are getting booked bad, that's damn near 75%. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? When you're like, when, when Rusev, uh, God bless him, he's in AEW now, but when Rusev was in WWE, Every guy they gave this dude at first was a black guy. You know, it's just like black guy after black guy after black guy. It's like, and it what? And I can honestly say that they didn't see that as a as a race thing. They saw it as who's the most expendable person to put in the ring with this guy. Mm. And at that moment in time, it just so happened to be the black guys. And um, and and that's kind of just kind of like the uphill battle that we're still trying to fight in WWE, you know, and, you know, they're doing some good things with NXT, but is NXT going to turn into like um, the black brand or whatever? Is it going to be, you know, just some, um, no. That's already my look, because we don't know what NXT is going to become, but I doubt it's going to become the black brand. I think it'll be more yeah. colorful, so to speak, yeah. but, I don't look. Man, I don't trust Nick Khan out here on these streets, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't trust Nick Khan either because I think he's doing things that Vince McMahon likes. But I think you know. I mean, like, like, and we talk about this on the second half of this show. I think he's no different than Will than Wilson Barrios, any other people that have had those positions. Heyman, Bischoff, all that stuff. The minute something goes wrong. He's going to get the blame for it. He was a good super agent in Hollywood. He's he's not going to be good in this job because he's just not going to be allowed to be good at the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both, both, both of y'all brothers made some good points, man. But we got some some some, some quick positive shout outs to, to some good people, man, uh, within the wrestling world. I just wanted to get you guys quick thoughts on that before we get back to the main story. Uh, a shout out to that brother, Titus O'Neill who's going to be honored at the Orange Blossom Classic in Florida, which celebrates black men in sports and entertainment. He'll be honored alongside the likes of Edron James, uh, Super Bowl champion Kevin Carter, and a couple more people. I'm pretty sure you guys have seen all the work that Titus has done uh, for, for communities in, in Florida. He had like a back-to-school drive and, and, and at the Raymond James Stadium uh, for like three years in a row, and you know, thousands and thousands of school supplies of young kids and man, out there, man, building schools, doing all types of stuff. So yeah, shout out to Titus. He may not be um, on people's radar when it comes to the in-ring stuff, but he is definitely a very positive reinforcement for WWE to have under contract. Yeah, shout out, shout out to that yeah. brother Titus, man. Like he's he's one of the dudes I think should have a job for life. Like he should be like the black Michael Hayes. Like yeah, this right. dude should always have a job just for the amount of goodwill he has, uh, you know, engendered towards that company in the community. Yeah, as long as he always understands that Vince McMahon is not his friend. Um, if he just stays at WWE, it does his job. It does, does things the way that 
you know, they're supposed to do dip for the culture, the community and everything. Um, he'll be perfectly fine. I um, like uh, Dave Batista said some years ago when that whole thing happened with him and McMahon, um, Titus O'Neil is not a guy that needs to be in wrestling. You know what I'm saying? He could, he could be doing a million different world changing things out there. Um, so, um, you know, WWE should be grateful to have him. Yeah. Um, he, he should be grateful um, for uh, the way he's uplifting the community and the work that he's doing. Inspiration to me personally, because, you know, Titus O'Neil is in a space that I want to be in. But just remember, Vince McMahon is not your friend. You know, this man, Andrew <laughs> yeah. Thompson, to put a button on Titus, this man took the ultimate bullet for all of us. Yeah, and was out there hosting WrestleMania with, with Terry. Terry. Titus yeah. did that for for us. Right. And, 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 and he, and he I, I don't think he said one negative word nope. about Hulk. Doing I'm talking about me. I, I, I'm pretty sure he got some thoughts, but uh, he he really kept that all to himself. Uh, another one, just a, a constant professional man. And then also uh, another quick shout out to Naomi who returned on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, she's officially part of the SmackDown roster. I think a lot of people, including all of us, are looking at the obvious thing that would get to Naomi a lot of attention and a lot of TV time is to be aligned with her legit family, the bloodline. I think that would be a very interesting mm-hmm. way. And to present a heel challenger, a heel Naomi, that I think would be really entertaining. Uh, just you guys' quick thoughts. Chris, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, do, do, do you think that they'll go the route of just, you know, what they usually do, Naomi, and just be in the mix? Or do you think they'll actually pull the trigger on this thing and have her in that storyline that will give her a lot of TV time? Well, they, you know, they, they're always hot and cold with someone like my, like Naomi. Um, I just, um, Trinity, I'm going to call her because I like that name better than Naomi. Um, I, I think that she. Chris, Chris out here flexing his, his total yeah. diva, diva's knowledge. His, his total okay. diva's knowledge. Yeah, I just, I just. Now, Chris, before you can say you want, you, you want to know what's funny? Like, they, they, they act like Naomi is like a part of this old guard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they, they yeah. act like she's like this bro. Naomi's like literally in her prime years right now. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Just a beautiful sister and just all, you know, she does her job, man. I don't think she, I don't think she's ever going to be bottom of the barrel in that company, but I don't ever think they, I don't think they see her as a top of the heat person either. I think she's what they call a good hand. Um, and um, I think, you know, she's always going to be relevant in WWE is just the degrees of relevancy that she has while she's in that company um, is is going to be uh, what we got to pay attention to, man. But I, I love Naomi, man. I, I'd love to see her um, in other places, see what she could do. Um, but um, as long as she's in WWE, they're taking care of her and she's happy and her family's happy. Then, um, you know, what can I say, you know? Yeah, Nia was dope, man. Like, I think, you know, she is somebody that's been good for a long time and, you know, has had the fans or a portion of the fans riding with her for a minute. She's always going to be in the mix. She's going to be like a gatekeeper, I think, Andrew. Yeah. Where, like, she'll get a title shot every now and then, but, like, for everybody on the come up, like, Naomi's the bar. Like, if you can right. ride with Naomi, then you can take that next step. If you can't hang with Naomi, you might have to kick rocks. And I think... In terms of a story, the bloodline is an obvious story to, to place her into. I also think, you know, she could kind of be Bianca's backup because, like, 
Bianca, like Bianca is, is, is just outnumbered right now, man. Like, yeah, you got Becky, you got Sasha, whenever Sasha come back, Carmella and Selena, Selena. Yep. Carmella. So like right now, the only per, only friend she got is Liv Morgan. And, and I don't even like Liv Morgan because of the way they presented Liv Morgan <laughs> on SmackDown, Andrew. So to <laughs> me, like, I think Bianca and uh, Naomi could be really fun. Yeah, and uh, move, moving on to our next uh, story, uh, th- this one kind of came out of nowhere. It was uh, a-, a tweet that Brandy Rose sent out, but she later deleted it. I think this was. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think this was in reference to I think people talking about the lack of diversity in AEW's main event scene. I believe uh, she didn't really clarify, but this is this is the tweet. And then uh, Chris, I'm gonna kick it to you, and then Nate, you can follow up or join in. Um, she said this might start some some shit, uh, but let's talk. I see a lot of people complaining on here that there aren't enough black talent featured in wrestling yet. When black talent is out there busting it in main events and holding championships, where's the love? If I just missing it, Brandy Rose later deleted that tweet. Brandy, come to this show. We need to talk to you, and we're not even because I don't one hundred percent disagree with her. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But I think when you read it in a tweet. It might have came off a little different than she might have meant it. Um, I ride for every black talent that I see. Um, even if they're not my favorite talent, I'm still riding for them. Like I was, when everybody was cl- complaining about uh, Johnson coming out at the end of AEW on Wednesday, I was like, hey, brothers coming out doing something. <laughs> I'm happy. Shit. I, I, I don't give a fuck if you fanboys think it's stupid or whatever. I, th- this is something I need. Um, I think I, I understand her frustration, but I do think that, you know, she needs to be in the mix a little bit more. I think if she came on shows like this, where we would have a discussion about black talent, they I think she 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 would alleviate herself from a, a lot of stress on this thing because I could see how it's stressful in her eyes. Um, I could see how um, you know she might be frustrated with um, you know they they need to you you don't tap you don't just tap into black talent magically. You got to have structures in place mm-hmm. that's going to cultivate an environment for black talent to exist in. It's not like we're, we're different than any other race in wrestling because there's no like African wrestling federation. You could kind of point to like that. You know what I'm saying? With, with Mexican, with Mexican wrestlers, it's all about the luchadors and they have a culture of, of wrestling. They could tap into with, Japanese wrestling. It's all about Parasu, Parosu. They have a culture of Japanese wrestling they could tap into. Mm-hmm. So they always have a fallback. British wrestling, all these different things. They Talk have your shit, Chris. Talk they, that they, shit, Chris. <laughs> but with, but with, with, uh, with, with black, black wrestling, we just do not have that. So the way that we fix that is we just have to keep like cultivating an environment mm-hmm. for black wrestlers and black talent to thrive in because black wrestlers don't just have um, uh, a Mexico where they could just say, Oh, so this is where our stuff comes from. You know what I'm saying? Like 
we're just it's it's and, that, and, and let me just say this: there's a rich history of wrestling culture in ancient Africa, but you kind of have to dig deep and find that. I'm talking about like contemporary stuff. We just don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the closest we got is Atlanta, uh, right? Like, and and there are like shout out to some of these. Uh, you know, we've talked about them here on the program, Andrew. Uh, some of these indie shows that are you know, for the culture and, and by the culture. But in terms of like at grand scale that you're talking about, no, we, we don't have that. And that kind of, if you want to get real deep with it, that kind of mimics the African-American experience in America where we know kind of our roots, but there's, there's been a, a lack of connection to that history just because of the way that black people ended up in this country. And so, like, there's a lot going on there. Uh, but yeah. specifically with, with Brandy Rhodes, A, I echo Chris's uh, sentiments. Like, anytime you want to come through, sister, you 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 have the floor here at the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Uh, but B, I feel like this tweet is a 100% something that Brandy Rhodes should, should have said. And also 100% something an EVP of AEW should not have said, Andrew. Right? Yeah. Like, like exactly. I, yeah. I, I 100% agree with what Brandy's saying here, but you ain't in the position to say that because of what you got going on in your house. You know, it's, it's like my like my parents always used to say, man. Like you can't, you know, talk about the speck in somebody else's eye when you got a a, a plank in your eye. And it's like, yeah, like are there things in in other companies where they need to tighten up? in terms of the way they present their black talent? Absolutely. But the same thing abides for AEW. And until they fix that or address that, she does not have, like, the high ground to to come out here and say something like that. Like, I'm not going to go as far as some people out there, Chris, that's like, yeah. oh, you know, AEW is, is, like, this segregated thing, and, you know, yeah. WWE is this this utopia for black talent, which obviously it isn't. We've right. seen that at SummerSlam. Uh but but I do feel like AEW's got some stuff in their house they got to clean up, Andrew, and they got to tighten up, man, and and fix when it comes to the presentation of black performers, particularly in, when it comes to that main event scene, which is super monochromatic right now. And that's no disrespect to a lot of the white brothers that's in the main event scene in AEW. But if you're going to be this change agent, which is kind of what Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes and and Kenny and the other EVPs said when this company started, like they were going to make a difference, they were going to make a change, then we need to start seeing some more change in terms yeah. of the way your show looks, in terms of the, the, the performance your show highlights. And so while I agree personally with what Brandy said, and I can understand her frustration, in her position, nah, she wasn't the one to say that, Andrew. You want to know what I think would be uh, cool? Like if they uh, sign, if AEW was to sign somebody like Trisha Dore, add her to their women's division. Mm-hmm. Or you look at a talent like uh, Darius Lockhart, who's on the independent scene. Like right. they, they, there's a lot of black talent out there, man, that really could sort of open a lot of people's eyes that that really aren't aware of how many times of black wrestlers out there and like be like, oh shit! Like it's like cause I, I think really I, I think a lot of people they they view certain type of wrestlers mainly some mainly white wrestlers as like these main event caliber titles. We all have our favorites in professional wrestling. Like I've, I've always been a, like a Brian Danielson fan and a CM Punk fan. And those are like 
top level superstars, but there are black talents out there, man, that can reach that level. You just got to put the right promotion behind them. Yep. Anybody yeah. in professional wrestling can be an absolute superstar, just depending on how you uh, how you present them. Now, there are some who are able to cultivate that on their own. But like when you look at some of these black talents out here, man, like even so, even going back to the to WWE, look at Ricochet. Yeah. Ricochet has everything outside of the mic skills that WWE can honestly. Well, he may not right. have the size, but his athleticism and his charisma, and as far as like what he can do in the ring, like he's very um, yeah. he has he has like very good facial expressions when he's wrestling and stuff like that. Like those little yeah. things, and and especially combining all the years of experience that he's had in in wrestling, like. And we, we marketable have, dude as well. Like when yeah. you look at stuff like that, man, it like it you can you can get behind Ricochet and make him a top guy. They just choose not to. Like right. that's just that's just what it is. I, I give Brandy Rhodes all the respect in the world, man. She's not in an easy position. Yeah, Even, she definitely is. She's 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 married to Cody Rhodes. She's um an executive in a company. That's mostly white guys. White executives, yeah. She, she's done a very good job with that women's division in AEW. You could crap on what you think of her as a wrestler or all you want. She's done a good job. She has gotten, you know, they've got Jade there. She was the one that put that um discovered um um the native beast, Nyla Rose. She's red velvet. She, red velvet. Mm-hmm. They she's brought she, Kira Hogan up in the middle. Kira Hogan, yeah. A lot of this is Brandy Rose. She she needs to get her roses for that. She's she's done that. You, you, um, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Chris. You go ahead. No, she's. I mean, she's doing some of the things that she's that she's wants wants to do. She's doing a lot of the things she wants to do. They just have to kind of figure out um, the black male portion of things. They got Mark Henry there now. They need to just have other like they need to have diversity consultants that are wrestling fans that may might not necessarily work for AEW but work for like a third party that they can go to to ask certain questions because I I do think this if this isn't um if these issues aren't fixed in AEW it could become a growing frustration mm-hmm. when people are unfairly attacking them as, you know, like a white boy haven or something like that. Because I don't see that when I watch it. A- what I see when I watch AEW is good wrestling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's just what I see. I also, I do notice like these things. We've talked about it on this show, like AEW, get your main event scene up. We've seen our colleague Rich Fan at press conferences ask um, Tony Khan about the diversity thing. We're we're gonna always bring it up, but I don't think it's like in the infancy of this company. I, I do not think the attacks are fair. Brandy Rhodes, I, I'm I'm 100% in agreement with what Nate said. I think she was right, but I think she's probably not the best person to deliver that kind of message. I think that I think it's, it's I think if Brandy Rhodes will do herself some good if she talks to more of us. Yeah. That's really all she needs to do. She needs to talk to people, black folks in the wrestling space and we can like, you know, bounce bounce ideas off each other. Not ideas of how to book their wrestling right. company. They could do that on their own. But we could just talk about what we experience in the culture 
and what kind of yeah what and what mm-hmm. you want to see on your wrestling thing you know because i mean i think that that's just the way you do it is with conversations yeah. i don't and like even, even beyond brandy yeah. like you know you brought you brought up his name like i think tony Khan, you yeah. know as a person of color like these are some of the criticisms and some of the concerns that you need to be addressing like right know, like I, I i love that you know we got people like rich or people like andreas hale that can be in some of these post-show scrums and bring these questions up. But, you know, we got to kind of keep on that. We got to keep that yeah. same energy week in and week out until they start to address some of these things, Chris. Yeah, we just have to. We have to keep the energy up. Um, I don't think people need to be coming for Brandy because what she said, what if what she said was just entirely false and she was just bashing the culture – I I understand it, you know what I'm saying, but we, we you know we kind of need to um, just um, I mean I think if you engage with Brandy, we got to do it in a friendly way. You can't do it in an accusatory way. You can't. And trying to clown her and all that. Yeah, yeah. You you just can't do that. You can't shit. be like uh, you can't be like Giancarlo Esposito and do the right thing when he was at Sal's Pizza, Andrew. Yeah, How come you ain't got no brothers on the wall, Sal? How come you ain't got no brothers up here, man? It's Frank Sinatra and Joe DiMaggio. Where the brothers yeah. at, Sal? We can't we can't be like that with Brandy, y'all. So, I, yeah. I, 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 I would honestly, I would like to see AEW feature more sunny kiss to be honest which i i, I think the Come issue on, is with, i think the issue is with that they don't sunny have been any, there since day one they, I, I think the issue with that they don't have anybody out there that anybody there that knows how to properly present sunny kiss right. without possibly writing some condescending shit into, into the yeah into, yeah. into the, the storyline like I, that's why i think you need more like and i know aw doesn't do the whole writers thing but i think maybe one or two consultants, maybe not yeah. storyline, what would really help and and really get get that in there? Because like Sonny Kiss is a talented individual. We've seen Sonny wrestle on Dark, seen Sonny on the mm-hmm. independent scene. Very very talented. Can wrestle, can talk on the mic. Like I think the issue is they just don't have anybody there that can write for Sonny or that can put Sonny in a properly in a proper storyline right. that can be very beneficial. You know what I'm saying? We like, like, Sun, like Sunny Kiss and Miro would be a money program. That that would be good. Yeah. And like, especially because Miro clicking on all cylinders right now as yeah. a heel. That would yeah, that, that's a good shot. I, I think I think of all the people in AEW right now, Sunny Kiss the most kind of seems like a diversity hire mm-hmm. where they where they just have him there because they they want to say they have this uh, gay black man on the roster, but they really don't have any like um, ideas for him that you can really sink your teeth into. And I think that 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 kind of needs. And they st- I remember they had this little program with him. That they were do- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they just kind of dropped it. I think they kind of, you, you know, with, with people like him, I think he needs to be. Um, and maybe maybe he's not going to be a main event or whatever, but I think he needs to at least be um, as relevant as an Orange Cassidy. Hey, or something hey Chris, like that. if you could find time for Brandon Cutler, no disrespect to him. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no disrespect to him. But if you could find time to put Brandon Cutler in a main event match on Rampage, Come on, you yeah. damn sure could find some time Talk for Sunny Kiss to get a quick TV match. Ain't nobody saying, yeah, okay, sixty minute classic. But dog, if you could find time for so many people, especially now. With all these eyes on AEW, with mm-hmm. Punk coming, with Punk in there, 
Brian Danielson coming in, two of the biggest stars, like I mentioned earlier, in, uh, in the industry. This is the best time to feature some of that talent that has not yeah, been seen before. He you can ride the coattails of your main stars while featuring yep. the, the the new people who haven't gotten there yet. And Sonny, yeah. I think this would be the perfect time to get him, get him on TV. Sonny Kiss, needs, he needs to be as relevant as uh, Orange Cassidy. Um, he, he needs to at least be that. I think you you need to have yeah, him. At least the damn QT Marshall. Like, yeah, at God, least on yeah, the QT the, level. Oh, yeah, QT that's, that's, has secured a pay-per-view match with Paul White. Yes, yeah. QT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to people talk about, oh, I can't believe they had QT Marshall lose to the gut. Fucking QT Marshall. And like yeah. this is no disrespect, even right, though it's right. disrespectful. Yeah. This ain't no disrespect. Yeah. QT, but it's like, come on, man. Like you only yeah. have three hours of TV time yeah. a week. And you're I telling think, me QT yeah. Marshall is more beneficial to your audience than highlighting somebody I, like a sunny kiss. Like yeah. that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I, I Hey, 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 we keep it in a stack. Like, if we been Sonny Kiss is a way better wrestler than. Yeah. You know, I, I think you know. QT Marshall, they were on to something when they hired him. No, he, 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 does, he does a lot of backstage stuff. Like, backstage he's great. stuff. Yeah. Like, is beneficial he, he's to the company, helpful. but he shouldn't yeah. be taking a ball to his, his gifts, His gifts are not. Uh, the head of a stable, man. He, he's just not. Is he's just not good in that role. Um, I do not take him seriously. Um, it's it's it's. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's his. I don't think it's like a, a knock on him per se. I just think. You know, when you make him the head of a stable, it kind of casts him in the wrong Wait, role. It, Andrew, he, Andrew, Chris, Chris said we don't believe you. You need more people. Really? Like seriously? Like 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 why why hasn't Anthony Agogo did what to him like what The Rock did to Farouk and the Nation? It just he's just not in the right role. Like no. in, in in that and um and I think that you know when you see things like that that's that does invite the caucasity uh <laughs> criticisms. You know what I'm saying? It's like okay, why is this dude? all doing this and you know Paul White needs to beat him fast tall Paul if you will um, he needs to beat him he needs to beat him fast and we need to uh, move on to your Anthony Agogos your um, Dante Dante. you need to you, QT Marshall should be there he needs to be there but he needs to be they're like how the Brooklyn Brawler was there in WWE for all those years, <laughs> where guys test their wrestling oh, skills mm. against. I mean, that was an important role. That so, you say he like he like the first opponent on career mode. Right. Yeah, that was He's an important. Yeah, yeah. A, you know, a, a, a Dolph Ziggler light, if you will. Right, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler very light because. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say they already kind of got Dolph Ziggler light on the roster, like, right? Real talk with his brother. So. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just he's not. I just think that that QT Marshall's best use is as a guy that teaches the young guys because the guys yeah. that he's trained are good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he he definitely is a great trainer. Like like like, like yeah. all, all jokes aside, laughing and stuff. QT is a great trainer because obviously right. he wouldn't be if he wasn't you know pushing out the talent that he was yeah. at the Nightmare Factory yeah. like Lee Johnston and I think they helping train train Jay Cargill and you know, she's getting better yeah. every week and stuff like that so yeah for, 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 firstly shout out to QT we just saying like if you could fit time for all these people 
you can definitely find some time for Sunny Kiss. Like, I like, like, Nate, I think Nate had a great uh, option out there with Sunny getting a TV, TNT title match against Miro. I think that would be great. Miro has a lot of heat right now. I yeah. think a lot of people would get behind Sunny. So, I mean, it, it, it's all up to AEW, man. But before, but, but, but our last story, uh, before we get out of here, uh, a, a positive one, uh, that, that had a few scary moments within it, uh, Keith Lee went on to explain, uh, his absence from TV and he had, uh, a very rough road uh, this year. He contracted COVID. Um, his significant other, uh, fellow WWE superstar, fellow WWE talent, Mia Yim, uh, she skipped out on the Royal Rumble to take care of Keith. And uh, she contracted COVID as well, but it didn't affect her. Uh, uh, Keith Lee, he had inflammation in his heart. Um, he couldn't do anything but light walk. Uh, he feared, from, from his own words, he put out, he said he feared that one day he would wake up. And he, I mean, one day he wouldn't wake up. You know, he, he, he had those concerns going through his head. Uh, it, was, it was really bad. Um, and credit to WWE for, for noticing something off and keeps blood work because if they hadn't, uh, we, you know, you know, as he said, he, he doesn't know what, what, what would have happened gone forward. So yeah, they, they, they quite possibly say that man's life. So yeah, I'm, Keith Lee has been doing dark matches for like the past, uh, four or five weeks. Um, I got, I'm assuming they're trying to get, you know, went, went back under his cell, like let him get comfortable back in the ring. But, uh, Nate, Nate just, just, just hearing that man and, and seeing what Keith and, and finally knowing. What Keith yeah. has gone through over the past over the past eight months, man, is it like I, I know we have been very critical of you know WWE and you know their booking of Keith Lee and not presenting him in the manner in which he should be presented for the type of talent that he is, but just you know, get, got got to give their medical staff credit on catching this because this could have yeah. been very very bad and potentially fatal, as Keith said. Yes, shout out to Keith Lee, man. Like I think, you know. A lot of times we get we get caught up in what's going on on the screen, which is part of, you know, that's part of our job, Andrew, is to talk about what these companies present. But at the end of the day, man, these are people. And so, you know, I'm glad that Keith Lee seems to be on that road to recovery. Uh, shout out to Mia Yim for, for you know, being there for him. Uh, like, that that's that's huge. Um, you know, I, I'm glad this story didn't end tragically, uh, like so many other COVID stories have over the past year in, in America and around the world. I also think, Chris, this is a time where, you know, and, and this you know, kind of ties back into what we were talking about off the top uh, with Jamel. Like, you don't know how many days you got ahead of you. Right. Yeah. So particularly, like, if you're listening to this show, like, I'm profiling here, but I'm guessing you're probably a dude, and I'm guessing you're probably a dude at least in his late 20s, early 30s, maybe even older than that. And so – Take care of yourself, man. Get yourself checked out. I know nobody wants to go to the doctor, Andrew, yeah. but you got to you got to find out, man, of what's going on with your body, particularly now in this age of COVID, man. Like if if, yeah. if you're over forty, like if you to hit if you to cross forty, if you if you to hit that Mike Gundy, Chris, I'm a man. I'm forty. Right. If you to cross that that barrier, you definitely need to be having at least yearly checkups, man. Uh, particularly for our brothers out there, our black man. Like get checked, yeah. man. Get get you know the, the exams and the screenings because you know there's no guarantee that yeah you, you're gonna see the next day. So shout out to the to the training staff, man, and the, the medical staff for catching this. And I'm glad that uh, you know our brother Keith is still with us, Chris. Yeah, man. And um, health comes before anything else, man. It really does. It comes before all these. Um, it comes before anything, man. Like money, women cars, all that stuff, men, whatever. Gold headphones. Yeah. The health comes before anything, man. It, it just does. I like, cause when it starts going away, mm. 
that becomes what you like wish you had back, you know, like having multiple sclerosis has kind of, you know, messed me up in a lot of ways physically. And, you know, you have those days where you're like, man, I wish I could still do this or I wish I could still do that. So health has to come first. So I'm glad he's gotten that. And it's, that comes before even the in-ring stuff. And it's good, like you said, Nate, that he had um, Mia Yim watching his back. You know what I'm saying? Um, she, put, she put her career on hold, man. Yeah, you know, because it comes before anything. It health yeah. comes before anything. And, and that's how it should be. Um, you know, um, you know, you can worry about WWE and their boneheaded creative <laughs> after that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm sure that's on his mind as well, you know. I mean, at least they don't have him dressing up like the gimp from Pulk Pulp Fiction. But I mean <laughs> <laughs> you know, little things like that. that <laughs> but yeah. Yes, shout out to Keep Lee, shout out to me, Yim, and uh, I'm glad that uh, you know that story because it's it's been a story we've been talking about ever since. Yes, the, the started, debut man. of of Nubian Wrestling Advocates here on Post Andrew. So thank you yeah. for bringing us uh, that update, man. Yeah, no problem, man. That and that's going to uh, conclude the the news portion before y'all brothers get nitty and gritty with yes. the man ladies and gentlemen, fan. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Thompson brought you the news. Appreciate it, brother Andrew. Before we let you go, man, and before you uh. Got to deal with all these QT Marshall fans in your mention. <laughs> what uh, what you got coming up, man, on the interview, uh, the YouTube channel, and what you got going on here post wrestling, brother? Uh, of course, they can check out my uh, my red work at the post the post site. Uh, I, I will be recording uh, with, with the man himself, W H Park, later. Going to do some post Perez. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I recorded with uh, one of our one of our other good brothers, Sid, who was on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates mm-hmm. uh, very often. Uh, great talking to him. And you can check out my interviews at the Andrew Thompson Interviews YouTube channel. A little teaser. I do have an interview set up uh, with, with an individual who will be producing at uh, tonight's NWA Empower All Women Ooh, Show. Okay, so you guys okay. will all see that. A, 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 wrestling, a wrestling legend. So I'm, okay. I'm, very, I'm very much looking forward to putting that out. Uh, ho- hopefully the schedule is lined up like we planned and uh, we, can, we can push that out to the public. Good stuff, brother. Good stuff. Always good to have you come through and and, and enlighten us with this news angie we appreciate you man and uh yeah like uh i'm excited i'm looking forward to hearing hearing all this this work you got going on and for those that didn't that, that missed it because angie didn't promote it but uh the the latest edition of that bush being thompson is out <laughs> yeah for with, sure with, we cover takeover uh new orleans with chris's tag team partner with you know i ain't want to bring up old stuff angie, <laughs> but, you know, chris martin bushby had the audacity Oh yeah, had the audacity uh, uh, to think that he was gonna get one over on me and my, my partner Eric by by bringing Chris as the mystery tag team partner. But we see how that ended up. You know, we, you you still got the and still your your BDE tag team champions <laughs> Nate Milton, Eric Marcon. Y'all know how it is, Chris. Chris tried uh, Andrew, but you know he, he he couldn't get the job done. Ma- Martin boy Chris and like Cain Velasquez and got squashed. <laughs> See what happens, <laughs> but, but that, 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 that's 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 what that's what happened when you go against Kofi. You see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man! Hey, now I, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. It's a good time as always, and uh, yeah, everybody enjoy the enjoy the rest of the conversation.
No problem. Yeah. Andrew Thompson, y'all. Oh, yes, after that match, Chris Chris definitely was uh, calling for that SOS, man. <laughs> well, I, I didn't understand how that game went at all, man. Ain't nobody here for your excuses, Chris. Yeah. I, I got I got all the questions right and still ended up <laughs> Look, Chris sitting here like Isaiah Thomas on the last dance. Like I, I had all the qualifications, but for some reason I wasn't picked. Chris Chris out here acting like Bret Hart. Like somebody 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 screwed him. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 look, look here, man. The BDE didn't screw Chris. Chris screwed Chris. <laughs> All right, want to give a shout out to Andrew Thompson. He brought us the news like he does every month here on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. But Chris, we got to go from talking about the news to giving our views on some big discussion points in the world of pro wrestling over the past month. And to do that, we need to bring on somebody for our panel. And this person, this this, this brother, this gentleman, should be no stranger to the listeners out there, Chris. Because, in fact, he was on the first edition of the NWA podcast in the post-wrestling era. He is a friend of the program. You know this man. From Pro Wrestling Torch. You know this man from MCU Later. You know this man from YouTube videos everywhere, Chris, because he is the reigning, defending, undisputed Milk Crate champion of the world. Y'all give it up for Rich Fan. Rich, what's good, brother? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Oh my God, you got me! I was like YouTube. I haven't done YouTube video. He ain't trying to set me up, right? Oh, the milk crates—they got me. They got me. I only hit the top. Oh, oh how, how you been, Rich? Uh, since the last time we talked to you a couple months ago here on the show. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Got to relax, you know. Spend some time this summer with my family. Got to see my folks for the first time in two years. Shot up, you know. Double shot, not shot up. Double shots. And then, uh, you know, got to see them and uh, looking forward to whatever's happening this fall with wrestling, man. I'm, you know, I, I got to break my no wrestling till 2022 because my alma mater was kind enough to throw me in one of the boxes so I could be hermetically sealed while I watched the first rampage here in Pittsburgh. So I'm ready to chop it up. And uh, all the craziness from last weekend is definitely worth, or at least some specific things from last weekend are very, very uh, front of mind right now. Yeah, and we will definitely want to uh, talk more about your experience uh, at AEW in our second topic this week. But before we get to that, Chris, people know if, if, if you've been following Chris on social media, you've been following me on social media, there's been one topic that has stood out above all others over the past few weeks. So why don't you let the people know what topic number one is, Chris, on the program? <laughs> okay. Uh, mama, there goes that man. Shout out to Mark Jackson. Mama, <laughs> there goes that man. Our reaction to Becky Lynch's return and her title win over Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. Yeah, man. Y'all knew we had to talk about it. Y'all knew we had to get into this. Um, I gave some of my thoughts when John Pollock and uh, Kate from Montreal and I did the SummerSlam post show here at Post Wrestling, but 
I want to dig even deeper into this. And, and Chris uh, has, you know, a, a analytical way to kind of look at the decisions behind what went on with Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. But before we get to the professor, I want to hear Rich's opinion because, you know, Chris and I have talked about this. Uh, you know, Rich and I have, you know, kind of corresponded in our group chat about this a little bit. But I want the audience, Rich, to know your thoughts about what went down at SummerSlam where we thought we were going to get Bianca versus Sasha, the rematch from WrestleMania. And Sasha could not compete, which the company knew about. And we ended up getting the surprise return of Becky Lynch and the surprise victory of Becky Lynch over Bianca in 26 seconds. Go ahead and speak on it, Rich Fan. Yeah, I, I mean, thanks for having me, first of all. I was always honored to be the first guest on, on the NWA. I'm honored that you guys are on post and bringing it. And so I think that's it. It's the fact that we got to see in 25 seconds, uh, just like Kofi Kingston, just like Lashley's first run, which I think a lot of people forget about when he did his talk with Stone Cold that was conspicuous by its absence. It was the, it's time to go, the real stars are here treatment. A lot of the particularly black act, acts get in WWE. Uh, or the Booker T. Hey, we're going to get you on the other side, brother, when he's talking, Triple H talking all that hard garbage about mm-hmm. he's better than you and all that. So I think uh, you have Bianca, who's a young woman, who is exactly what they claim per Nick Khan they want. A, a non-wrestler, former athlete, you develop from the bottom. You don't have to worry about the indie traits that she's picked up. She's grateful for the company. She's a brilliant. She's a star. And you crush her in 25 seconds because you can't handle the fact that the other company had somebody debut and you got to match it with a woman who's two months early than when she was supposed to be back. Mm. It's a mess. And you, and you have Becky turn into Charlotte. Like, this is like you, you either die a hero or live long enough to be a villain <laughs> in real time. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, Rich, was, like, even if you want to take race out of it, okay? Let, let me put myself in the shoes of some of the people I've seen commenting about this the last few days and, and few weeks by the time this show airs. You know, let's let's take race out of it, man. Let's just look at it like wrestling, Rich. Even if we just look at this as a wrestling storyline, it's it's bad booking, man. Like, it doesn't help Becky. It doesn't help Bianca. So if we're just taking race out of this, which is very hard to do, why did they do this, man? Like, was it just a, a reactionary move to CM Punk coming back? Like, like who does this help? Well, you know, I've, I've been seeing on Twitter, you know, from that very group of folks, the Let It Play Out crowd, hey, Becky's going to lose it right back to her and go to Raw. And then now you have Bianca. But no, you don't have stars like this. And and when people bring up, for example, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, I'm not using his WWE name no more. That man's free. Uh, (laughs) When Bryan Danielson lost in eight seconds to Sheamus, that was supposed to get Sheamus over. So uh, there's no way to turn this around and say you're trying to get Bianca Belair over by having her get beat that quickly and look like a chump. I mean, when you got Nikki Bella dropping fire on the red carpet after the show, talking about how she had no favorite moment for SummerSlam because she saw a woman who worked as hard as she did to get a championship just have it snatched away in seconds. And so I I just don't see it as... if, if I would say take your favorite wrestler and put them in that spot, regardless of race, if you say you don't see color or you don't think this is... 
and, and see how you react to it. And I think folks' uh, opinions would change drastically. Yeah, and I think, man, this reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from a movie that we've all seen, man, The Avengers. And there's a scene in The Avengers towards the end of the movie, Rich, where the the World Defense Council, or whatever they call decides to send a missile and aim it at New York City because they try to defeat the Chitauri threat. And Nick Fury is like, nah, man, we're not doing that. And Maria Hill's like, but, but Director Fury, the council has made a decision. And Nick Fury says, I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a stupid-ass decision, I have elected to ignore it. And that's how I felt watching this, Chris, man. It's like the, the <clears throat> play-out crowd. I love that that's kind of the moniker that we're going to you know, give these folks now because it's like we've been here before, Chris. We've been here with Kofi. Like, even taking Kofi out of the equation, we've seen this time and time again over the years where the amount of goodwill that we've had for this company, for the WWE and their storytelling, dwindles year by year, month by month, week by week. And so, like, I would love to be wrong on this program. Like, full disclosure, we're recording this a week after SummerSlam. I would love, by the time this comes out, for this to be wrong. I would love for us all to look stupid here on this podcast. Sound like we're talking out the side of our necks. But what right. in their history, Chris, has given me any indication, any clue they are going to make good on this story and be able to have Bianca stronger than she was before that SummerSlam match, man. Yeah, that's a very good question because I don't know the answer to it. I've, I've been, I've been on the um, riding on the let's see it play out train from WWE since easily um, 2000. 11, probably 2009 when they first screwed over, when they screwed over Kofi Kingston the first time. Um, I've been on this, this trade of let's see it play out and then, you know, just screw it over the Nexus and just watching people time and time again get screwed over. It's, there's, there is no let's see it play out when it comes to WWE. They are who they are. Um, and, um, we talked about the other day on your place to be nation show about, the different kinds of unconscious bias mm-hmm. that exist in WWE. And the okay, problem- okay. Let's, yeah. let's set this up, Chris. Let's set this up again. Chris is going to break down. He, he's putting on his professor hat right now. The abridged version. The yeah. abri- yes, the abridged version, because you can get the more detailed version, uh, as Chris mentioned, on the latest edition of the Kings of Sport, as well as the chain reaction over at Place to Be Nation. But, Chris, talk about the different types of unconscious bias and how it relates to what the WWE did at SummerSlam with Bianca Belair. All right. So there's like hundreds of different kinds of unconscious bias that exists out there for the sakes of, of this discussion. And for what I, what I do for a living, which is um, diversity training, diverse people in the kind of biases they might have. I'm just going to stick to six. So we talked about the affinity bias, which means you're basically bias towards people that share a similarity with me. So when I was in college, um, our different frats, like the Q dogs, um, alphas, it doesn't matter. They were all like, join this frat because when you graduate and stuff, you'll be able to find a job because we got people do this and that. 
that's an affinity bias when someone says, hey, you're you're a, a Q dog. Let's do our secret handshake or whatever. That's an affinity bias. It's applicable to, to race as well. We talked about the halo effect where you see a certain type of person um, and they are the ideal of what is perfection to you or what's close to perfection to you. Um, we talked about the horns effect where it's the exact opposite of the halo effect where the horns effect is that person is what you see as evil, not based on any sort of facts or whatever. And I gave the example of me going on a date with this girl, a blind date. And because she had the same perfume that my ex had, I didn't want to date her again. It wasn't anything that she did wrong, but the horns effect was prevalent and real in that situation. And then we talked about um, the uh, attribution bias, where you attribute certain qualities to certain people. In the case of um, Bianca Belair, you job her out because you are used to someone like her and we'll, we'll, we'll insert what your someone like her is in but is used to kind of working her way up and crawling her way up so she'd be able to handle losing in 25 26 seconds better than somebody else you know and we talked about how in a case of with John Cena they would never do something like this with him because of um, what the, the biases that they've attached to him. And then we talked about confirmation bias. And that that bias is more the tendency to kind of take in information about a, a group that only feeds your narrative. So there's a lot of that in WWE where we always constantly talk about you know, the most common five stereotypes they do with blacks and just that kind of thing. It's, it's, you, you already got a confirmation bias on black. So if the black guy you're seeking to hire doesn't fit any of these, um, these, um, preconceived notions you have about them, then you're not going to hire them. And then we talked about um, we didn't we didn't talk about this um, we talked about the um, anchoring bias. The anchoring bias is you 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 have one notion of somebody and just based on that first bit of information that you got on them, you um, have a bias either for or against them. You know, like like if I read some bullshit on the vaccine that said that you know, it was poisonous. What I'm going to do after that is just look up more information that feeds that bias that I already have anchored to it. And, and I hope everybody was out there taking notes because Chris, Chris just gave us a course for free. Like, <laughs> Professor just broke it down for free. And, and Rich, so when you think about all of those biases, man, and the way that it kind of relates back to how you craft the story, and how you present a character to the audience, and in this case, how you tell the Bianca Belair story, it just it just seems very egregious to me, man. 
in the way that, like, there wasn't any other way that you could have told this story. Like, there was no reason, at least in my opinion, to do this match, right? This is something you could have built up. You know, this is something that we should have been spending weeks on, and, and we get to Extreme Rules, and then you could have the match. And that could actually main event Extreme Rules, because I don't know any of the other matches that they got planned for Extreme Rules, Rich. But instead, we have this. And this is like a situation where the reaction, the immediate reaction was just so divisive where you had that let it play out contingent, but you also had a loud and large contingent of the people rich that night saying like, what the hell is this? Like, why did y'all do this to Bianca? Especially rich after they spent so much time building her up, had that historic main event at WrestleMania, sent her and Sasha Banks to the ESPYs, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you do all that just to tear her down, so theoretically you can tell the story of building her back up again. Yeah, but she wasn't, that. My, I would argue she wasn't built up enough to be torn down yet. Yeah. And, that, and that's the problem. You, you had an act that was on its way up. If anything, you talk, you, you said, you know, how could they, they could have done it different. I, I, when we did the Tours Roundtable, the first thing I thought of was the old tried and true method of, what we just saw with Sasha that they did over the course of an episode leading to the, this match. Becky comes to save her, and then you have a tag match. Yep. And the people still happy. Okay, Sasha's not there. They're disappointed a little bit on that, but they're more happy that Becky's back. Becky's raising the arm of Bianca Belair. And you have two people, and, you know, uh, you could have the little, you know, raise the title, and then you got the forlorn look of... Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky looking at it as she's congratulating her partner, and off you go. But instead, it's going to be this thing on Friday of how do you explain out of this? And if it's going to be turning her heel, uh, her being uh, uh, Becky, what are you doing? Because there isn't another. You just cut the legs out of the face that was going to be there to replace her in that role if you let her grow. So it's just very asinine that they did. And nobody wants short. to boo her. Like nobody no. wants to boo the woman that just came back from pregnancy, Rich. No. Well, they didn't want to boo her husband when he came back from knee injury. Mm. And first thing they did was tell him, "Well, you guys didn't like me when I was on my knee, and and, and, and you saw my documentary, and I hate you all." I was like, "What do you mean? Your documentary showed how much you love pro wrestling, how much you couldn't get back, and how you thought the fans were few." Like they do not understand how people work unless you're a craven. When it all costs, individual, right. and it it goes back again to how much faith do you have in this company? And there's been people that I've listened to the past week, Rich, people that I respect, like people that I have trust in with their opinions when it comes to this business. People, in some cases, that I would consider, you know, friends or at least friendly, and. I just don't see it. I just don't see where they're coming from with this wait and see, let the story play out attitude. Because let's let's take this in a different context. Everybody's got a job, Rich. Everybody's got a boss. And it doesn't matter where you work, whether you work for the newspaper, whether you work at a restaurant, whether you work at a grocery store, everybody's got a boss. And say when you first start out, you've been there a year, your boss comes to you one day and says, hey, Rich, you're doing a good job, man. I'm going to give you a promotion. And a raise. You're like, oh, hell yeah. A couple weeks later, you don't get the promotion or the raise. You're like, okay, maybe maybe something happened in HR. You know, maybe he promised <laughs> me something he couldn't deliver. That's okay. That's I'm cool. I'm still going to do my job. Cut to the next year, Rich. Boss man comes up. Hey, Rich, man, I love what you're doing, brother. 
I'm going to give you a promotion and a raise. Okay, cool. Like It's going to happen this time. I'm, I'm here for it. Turns out it doesn't happen again. You're like, okay, this doesn't feel right, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to do my job because I take pride in my work, Rich. Next year, boss man comes up. Hey, Rich, you're doing a great job, brother. Guess what? Talk to HR. You're in, li- you're in line for a promotion and a raise. You're not going to believe this, man. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, Rich. When people tell you who they are, you ought to believe them. And the WWE, at least in my opinion, has told me, A, we don't know how to write stories for women. You can see that, you know, if you look over at the Raw program with mm-hmm. Charlotte, Rhea, and Nikki, like that story was a complete mess. B, you really don't know how to write for people of color. And C, you definitely don't know how to write for baby faces, like good, believable, organic baby faces. Like the, like people bring up Daniel Bryan. People bring up Kofi Kingston. Those were not creations of the company. Those were things the company lucked into. So what evidence have they given me, Rich? What evidence have they given you that they can tell this story the right way? Honestly, they haven't. I, I, I listened this uh, week at the suggestion of Brian Alvarez to the uh, pre-SmackDown promo Paul Heyman gave before the uh, Invasion pay-per-view uh, the Survivor Series, that last mm-hmm. battle between the Alliance and the WWE. And Paul Heyman gave a promo where in seven minutes you could drop that now and every word is valid. You know, the best successes were people that Vince McMahon took from other companies. His best moves were taking things from other companies like Attitude Era. I just take ECW, call it Attitude Era. Yeah. I take, I take Hulk Hogan from AWA and I... Say I discovered him, you know. And so this this is par for the cross, and and this is uh, I'm I'm very disappointed, especially I'm in the same boat as you, Nate, and I'm sure Chris, where you have people who you'd say friendly. I think that's fair, or even friends, uh, and you have to accept that they're not seeing it the same way we are when it comes to this stuff. Right. And and when you try to explain it, I try to explain it like, okay, if you want to think about how angry I am with Bianca and uh, if you don't think this is something that's right, think about WrestleMania 9. <clears throat> what reason, when Bret Hart lost to Yokozuna, did Hulk Hogan have to not only interject himself into the match, but to then win the title? Like, what did that make? Did that make sense? It didn't. It just served the greater narrative of they didn't want Bret Hart with the belt. Yep. So let's get it the belt off Bret Hart. And I, I just think as you go through these journeys and you think you look these people writing, uh, I made the observation with Travis yesterday on the East Coast cast. Charlotte Flair is very proud of the fact she's agenting matches now and has agented uh, her, her, her point of pride was Rhea Ripley this year. I would say Rhea Ripley has not had the best year. Nope. But it's that's what happens when you fire the, uh, outside of TJ, uh, the other coaches slash agents that had been working with the women. Mm. You now have a top performer who has to be your agent. And how does that work? You know what I mean? It's just, <clears throat> it's all messed up. And when you have Dana Warrior as your voice of the female fan on that uh, that that writing team, I don't think things are getting put together the way they need to be. No. And it, it, it I said this uh, on the post show uh, on that Saturday night, Chris. It's mm-hmm. like Bomani Jones says, man, it's a two American situation right. where 
two groups of people can look at the same event and have a different opinion of it, man. And it's like, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with Rich. You don't have to agree with Chris. But I do feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't listen to somebody. Like, Mm -hmm. there's people out here, like, you know, like bringing the real world into this conversation. Like, with what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Like, I have a kind of cursory knowledge of the situation, but Mm -hmm. there are people who are from that region who I'm friends with. And they are saying things that might not jive with my opinion, but I'd be stupid, Chris, if I didn't at least listen to them and see what their experience is. And I feel like that's part of the frustration. And I I can hear it a little bit when Rich was talking right there. Part of the frustration with being... You know, somebody black in this space, being a female in this space, right? You know, being somebody other than a straight white man in this space is that not only do you have to work hard to get your voice heard, but you have to work twice as hard to get people to believe you or at least listen to your opinion without automatically kind of shutting you down. Yeah, and it's um, and that's the thing about unconscious bias too is unconscious bias is not overtly racist. But the behaviors from unconscious bias could lead to overt racism, right? Um, And WWE has just a a very sordid history of doing this thing. Like, I remember when um, uh, Miro, what was his WWE name again? Um, Rusev. Rusev, yeah. When he first debuted in WWE, like, every dude they put in front of him so they could build up Rusev was a black guy. They had him, like, squash uh, coat squash big e squash um yeah i know titus had to be on that list yeah. yeah i think he was like he squashed all these guys and i honestly do not think that the company was was probably thinking in terms of race but no what they thought about were who are the most expendable guys on this roster and all of them just happened to be black mm-hmm. and there's nobody on that writing staff or nobody in that company that can say, hey, do you know how this looks, how optically this could be kind of bad for us to do? You know, this guy is just running through black guys um, before he runs through anybody else. And it just, the only thing that can make sense to people like us is this is um, a racial thing. And it's, it's just... You you you're you're right about how many times can you like wait to see it play out when you've been doing this with these people for for years and years and it just keeps happening and the, and the thing about it too is you also get situations where um, blacks will just get kind of punished worse for like when you are a black guy amongst the sea of white people, if you're the only black employee there or one of the few only black employees there, you really do kind of bite your tongue because you don't want to be the unruly black woman or black guy. So you just kind of go with the flow because the minute you you say something that's out of pocket, um, you're looked at as a troublesome or a problem person. And I think that um, it's just, it's, it's just this, like, I just don't like that in 2021, someone like a, a Bianca Belair is 
looked at as, oh, she she'll be fine. We'll let, we'll just job her in 25, 26 seconds, and she'll be able to take it. It's like it's just another burden on top of this woman that she, another cross she has to bear. Yeah, and then the other thing, like getting back to that wait and see attitude, Rich, like. If I come going back to the work analogy, like if you come into work late every single day, the onus is not on the company to be like, well, maybe Rich will be on time today. Like, no, the onus is on you to get to work on time, though. And so it's like the the people that are like, oh, just just give it a chance, Nate. Like, no, nah, that's not my job anymore. Like you had the benefit of that. Now you got to show me something. Act like I'm from Missouri. You got to show me that you're about the business of telling this story. And so. Kind of spinning it forward. This is where we can kind of end off on on the Bianca topic, y'all. Where do they go? Like, where do you think they will go? Where do you want them to go with this story if the reports are true and Becky is back as a heel and Bianca is the baby face that has to rebound from what happened at SummerSlam, Rich? I think the biggest thing for her to rebound is they're going to have to have an ironclad story that shows she's on the ascent. And they have to do it in a way that doesn't look like she's the corporate person that's been placed in Becky's way. Mm. That's the only way they can do this, which means if you if the rumors are true and she is going to go to Raw, great, God bless. But if she's going to be on SmackDown, there better be a way they figure out that Becky exists in a world that Bianca is starting to run. Because if there's any other outcome, she's always going to be seen as the also-ran. She's always going to be seen as... Uh, the female version of Kofi, because if we see her on on Friday, tomorrow, and she is just ho-hum about this, Talk and about she just plays it off and moves on to, I want to make a tag team, or she's just going to focus on working on getting the street profits back in the tag team seat. That's going to do the, 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 that's it right there. And the talk about, like Chris was talking about with unconscious bias, you think about the Rusev example, and you think about this example, they see... It isn't overt racism that's going to get them to having their black wrestlers as the people put in the situation. It's the fact that their black wrestlers are perennially in that low spot of the card or the expendable spot, and they don't see it as, I'm getting picking the black people, I'm picking the expendable people, which happen to be the same people. And you need someone to tell you that. And someone that isn't going to be, unfortunately, someone like a Booker T., who is more willing to say hot takeism on his shows than he is to yell truth to the true power in this right. situation? Yeah, yeah, because and I, you know, again, like no disrespect to Booker's career, but we we know what it's about. We know what the game is. You know, right. the, the bag right now <laughs> is, is what is important. Uh, so, Chris, like, yeah. where where does she go, man? Because like, not only do you have the 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 problem of the women and the storytelling for the women, like I mentioned earlier, but just in general, if, if we are taking race out of this, like they don't know how to build good baby faces these days, man. We've seen it. So what would you do if, if they came to you and say, Chris, we hear you an educated brother, man. Like, like Nana called and said, you need to hire Christopher. What if, <laughs> what, what if they came to you, Chris, and, and said, what do we need to do to fix this story? What would you tell them? Um, I would just, um, because there's no way you can undo what you already did on yeah. um, Saturday, right? It's just kind of one of those things. I just, I, I, my advice would just simply 
be better and do better, you know, like I, I like, and this is my, another problem that I have with the internet wrestling community sometimes is with these black wrestlers that the, the, the go-to thing with all of them um, is turn them ill. You know what I'm saying? Especially like with uh, Bianca, it's like, okay, well maybe now they could turn her hill. It's like, why do you need to do that? This yep. this woman was a role model to black girls and boys. She was a role model to everybody, but she's going to resonate with black girls. You don't do that to John Cena. They never did stuff mm-hmm. like nonsense like that to, you know, the people that they like really care about in that position. And that's where the unconscious bias comes in. It's like, with John Cena, you'd probably get fired if you even suggested, yeah, let's let's turn John Cena Hill for for no fucking reason other than, you know, we we did this botch of a storyline with them, so let's just turn them. You know, they they care so much about keeping John Cena pure, white gray white bread milk toast baby face that even after this guy hasn't been wrestling full time with that company since pretty much 2017 they still treat him with a degree of reverence that they just don't treat anybody else with and there's no black person in the history of that company that they will ever do that with not in the past and not in the future you know, it's, it just is what it is. Then, now, and forever. Right. And, and to your point, let me just drop some numbers for you. King Kong Bundy defeated Special Delivery Jones, 23 seconds. Yeah. Hulk Hogan defeats Yokozuna, 22 seconds. Seamus Daniel Bryan, 18. Mm-hmm. Kofi Kingston defeats Brian Kendrick, 11 seconds. Brock Lesnar beats Kofi, 8 seconds. Diesel beats Bob Blackland, 8 seconds. Like, this is something where, like I said before, it's going to be where you are on the card or what they think of you, and it's going to be irrespective of race. Like, Brian Kendrick wasn't getting thrown in with the black people. He just got beaten because they had a storyline they wanted to focus on in terms of the king trying to, you know, at the time, uh, trying to distract him because he was trying to do whatever stupid thing. I can't even remember the full storyline for that. Right, yeah. But the one I remember, we just talked, the Yokozuna one. That's exactly with 22 freaking seconds. Yeah. You had a Samoan dude playing a Japanese guy. How out of pocket was Yokozuna? Come on. <laughs> Yo, and, and Chris hit on something that I didn't even think about it, Rich, but now that he said it, I can't unthink it. Mm. <laughs> like, I, if, if I had a dollar that every time I saw somebody say, when talking about Big E and his ascent up the card, Big E needs to turn heel. Mm-mm. That's, that's, that's what will make him a main eventer. Like, come on, man. Like, this dude should be, for lack of a better term, Rich, because I can't think of one right now, he should be black John Cena for this generation. Yeah. He's a dude that's personable. He's a dude that relates to your younger audience. Like, he's somebody you can put on Jimmy Kimmel. He's somebody you can put on Good Morning America. Like, this dude should be selling all the merch and, and doing all the make-a-wishes. Like, for, for him to be healed, like, to get to that next level – it makes no sense from a business standpoint, but that's always kind of the go-to. Like, if Biggie were healed, he'd be a main eventer. Like, nah, that's he shouldn't have to. Same with Bianca. Like, in this storyline with Becky, man, like, I've heard people say, like, Bianca should be the one that turns heel. For what? For who? Yeah. Like, I would ask wrestling fans that, where that's their go-to with these black wrestlers, 
to just stop and think about why they are suggesting that you do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember that, like, even with someone like a Sasha Banks, like, people were just, like, it just jumping on, and it seemed like a trope to me. I could be wrong. I could be overly sensitive, but it was like, yeah, she's just more natural of a of a bad guy or something. I'm listening to this. I'm like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? You know, it's, 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 it's a problem for me. You know, and it wouldn't be a problem if they didn't, if, if I just, it, and, it, and this could be my own racial sensitivity. So I'm not even trying to say look, Here's the thing, because I, I, I didn't want to say it, Rich. I felt like Chris was stepping on my toes a little bit right there, because yeah. I, I do kind of think Sasha's a better natural heel than a baby face. And maybe that's, that's due to the writing and not to her, but it's felt like every time she's been a heel, the character pops more than when they make her a baby face. I think for me, it's my natural inclination as a New Yorker to hate Boston accents. So right. the longer she talks as a baby face, the more I'm like, nah, nah. Yeah, my well, the reason why I would hate her is because um, she's a, a California transplant that adopted Boston in her as her hometown, and that's just always going to be uh, on my S list uh, as as an LA guy. <laughs> But, uh, so, so we came to a consensus. Like the one thing we can all agree on is Sasha Banks is a heel for various reasons. But <laughs> right, yeah. I just, I just, I just wish that, like, I just think that her lack of creativity just causes, or not her lack of creativity, but the company's the lack of the creative they give her. Yeah, I think it just makes people automatically lean on turning her heel, even other black people. I think that we have been conditioned to um, to think that about her. Um, I just, I, and I think we've been conditioned to think that about a lot of black people. Let's, I, go. I, let's, I, let's, 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 let's stay here for a second, Chris. Let's stay here for a yeah. second. Because going back to the Sasha-Bianca feud that led up to WrestleMania, like, the match was amazing. <laughs> like, the match was, to me, the match of the show. But that story, it felt like they did not know how to differentiate these two black women, Rich. Like, it felt like variations... Mm-hmm on a theme with the character characterization of Bianca and Sasha. And so the story never resonated with me, even though the match was amazing. Yeah. It, I know talking with Wade, you know, you know, as a black voice, the thing I love about the torch is we have several black folks, several folks of color, several, uh, we had several women, but you know, uh, lost some prayers to my girl M who's doing grit, grit and glitter on her own Patreon mm-hmm. tip. Uh, but I think being able to talk to Wade as a white dude in Minnesota and just say, you know, sometimes the things that might be seen as cockiness from uh, Bianca is just her using athletic arrogance and her just being a young black woman in 2021. It isn't mm-hmm. that she's being a heel or isn't that she's like turning people off. It's that you have to be open to the possibility that that's a personality trait and not uh over-exaggerated Vince McMahon caricature of a black woman. And the problem is, like you said, you have two black women, and then you fall into the the Michael P.S. Hayes trap of, okay, what's the gimmick for these black women? There's too many gimmicks. They're already black and women. So yep. it's and it's so when you got to That's the a end... gimmick on a gimmick, brother. Right. Get hat on a hat. And so when you got to the end of that feud, and you get to the moment, and they're happy, and they're on ESPN, and they're winning SBs, and they're on Good Morning America, and I see Bianca on the NFL Network talking about winning and her role in history. 
they can then hop in and be like, ha-ha, we have a black we can highlight. And then when you have the match again, it's like, which one's the bad guy? I don't know how to speak their language. It's like, well, how about you clear the lane, maybe not fire the black woman comedian that you hired, and let her talk to these women and figure out a common ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I guess what we're all saying in, in various ways, Chris, is, is we, we hoping for the best, man, but we're not expecting it, man, because we, we've been down this road before. Uh, like, hopefully they find a way to unfumble the bag with Bianca. Like, they fumbled the bag. The yeah. money's on the floor. Hopefully they can pick most of the money up, put it back in the bag, and get Bianca back to where she needs to be, man. Yeah, for me, with uh, with just it's it's just a constant thing with WWE. I can't. They they've lost the benefit of the doubt with me um, a long time ago. You know, just just with you know the stuff they've constantly continued to do with Kofi. Um, what they've done, like just start certain things that just never made any sense to me, you know, it's like, um, and I'm, I'm just trying to, um, and that's the thing too. I'm, I'm done trying to understand it from their point of view. And now there's, um, another wrestling company that I can watch, mm-hmm. um, where I don't have to just kind of, take this stuff with WWE and AEW has its own set of issues. We've, we've talked about it on this show, but um, they don't, they're not completely uh, devoid of the benefit of the doubt with me. Like WWE is at the moment. Yeah. Well, speaking of AEW, speaking of your boy TK in the building, Chris, let's go ahead and pivot to topic number two, man. What did it, what is topic number two for the people? Topic number two is Punk's jump up to get beat <laughs> to get Punk's jump up to get beat down. Shout out to Brand Newbie. Yeah, I love that song. Thoughts on CM Punk's AEW debut and what this means for AEW and the business as a whole. Ooh, oh yeah, so CM Punk, like SummerSlam, should have been the, the the highlight of the weekend, Rich fan. Mm-hmm. But it had a little bit of their thunder stolen the night before, Friday night, AEW Rampage. CM Punk in Chi-Town made his return, set Twitter ablaze, launched a thousand think pieces and a thousand podcasts after Rampage. A million people watched that show, Rich Fan, and, and so CM Punk, now that we've had the chance to see him on Dynamite and and, and See, you know, hear him talk about his decision behind coming back to wrestling and coming back to AEW specifically. What did you make of the debut, Rich? And what do you make of what Punk means for AEW going forward? I thought it was a masterful debut. I really enjoyed AEW releasing the producer side of it after the fact, where you can see how well. The, and how hard it was for them to get shot, 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 go to 10, go to 10, wipe to 6. And oh, it just, yeah, that it just, was awesome. It was just magnificent. And yeah. and him, he was just so natural. I, I mentioned yesterday uh, to my buddy Travis, I loved the fact that he just soaked it all in and went with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it's an illustration. You, look at, you mentioned the rating. It's another illustration of uh, a lot of folks, when it comes to this WWE, AEW, or WWE versus the world, Essentially, they don't 
take a fa- uh, account of the fact that there are people who like certain wrestlers and want to see those people do well. And then Punk comes, you get another 300,000 people, 400,000 people watch, and the refrain is, well, why didn't he get more? <laughs> and it's like this constant movement of the goalposts, and yeah. it's like what, what, what people aren't watching wrestling now or wouldn't watch uh, AEW before, but they're going to watch now because of CM Punk, so you just answered your own question. There are people out there that don't like the Young Bucks. There are people out there, Gasp, that don't like Kenny. But there are people who love themselves some CM Punk, love themselves mm-hmm. some Brian Danielson, and will watch those guys in their natural habitat and get to work and work with people who treat them like valued members of the team as opposed to uh, irritants they have to placate a part of their audience to keep on screen. Yeah. And look no further than the fact that he did his post-show promo, or I'm sorry, post-show scrum with the media, and he's talking about, you know, his excitement to be a AEW, you know, player, so to speak. And then in the lead-up to Dynamite this week, he's saying, we're coming to Milwaukee. That dude never said we when he was in WWE. <laughs> He was like, I'm going to be in Milwaukee and these right. going to come with me. <laughs> and so you got to take a stock of that. And I think it was great. And I think it's great for him. I think it's great for wrestling. Uh, I, I told Wade uh, last week on the torch that it is CM Punk was the pro to him. Danielson, a lot of those Ring Your Honor guys, especially because Tony Khan's a fan that watched ECW, watched these tapes, watched these shows. Mm-hmm. He's a proto AEW guy. Like he was an AEW guy before there was an AEW. He's a good wrestler. He connects with the audience. He has an ethos. And when you see that, and, you know, some people think he's, you know, there's like, oh, you can't be, you know, straight edge. Or, oh, this guy's just putting on an act. It's like, well, guess what? It's still pro wrestling. So you're telling me you're willing to believe all this other crap about these other wrestlers, but now CM Punk's too fake for you? <laughs> like, that, it's, it, oh, he lost a fight in UFC. Oh, let me point to Brock. That dude lost quite a few fights before he won. Mm-hmm. And, and y'all, nobody got a problem with him rocking through like UConn Cornelius throwing people around. <laughs> Yo, he, here's the thing, Chris. And, and I'll, put up, I'll put my cards on the table because we tell the truth on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. I was never the biggest fan of CM Punk. Like, I respected the dude's talent. Thought he was a hell of a promo. But, like, CM Punk wasn't my jam, so to speak, you know, uh, when he was in the WWE. But even I got caught up in the moment of his debut on Rampage. You know, from the minute they start playing Cult of Personality, shout out to Living Color. Like, yeah. And he comes out, and as Rich is saying, soaks up that moment, dives into the crowd. We see grown people crying, like, and goes in there and, and just cuts a hell of a promo, man, connects with the audience, understands the moments, right? Understands the magnitude of the moment. Like, I thought they did everything perfectly with his debut. And even going forward to Dynamite, I thought they did a great job with his first interview on Dynamite. Like, the rest of the show around him was a little suspect. But so far with Punk, they've been hitting it on all cylinders. So what did you make of Punk's debut and and what it means for AEW, man? Yeah. um, Like, for CM Punk's debut, to find something wrong with it, you really just have to look for nits and just pick the fuck out of them. Um, because it was it, it was definitely one of the greatest um, debuts 
re-debuts, whatever you want to call it, from a wrestler that I've ever seen. Um, like you said, shout out to Living Color. Um, I'm a, uh, I've been a Living Color fan since I first saw them when I was in the third grade, second, third grade, something like that. Open letter, um, open letter to a landlord. Yeah, but um, Arsenio. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Arsenio. Uh, funny vibe, uh, just so many different glamour boys, glamour <laughs> boys. Yes, yes. It's it's just it's just so many different things. So I'm happy that uh, Punk um, is able to bring those guys back to the forefront, like he like he did in 2011. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know this is this, when I saw that uh, rampage debut from CM Punk. Um, I was happy to be a wrestling fan, and um, even and even though I was pissed the next day at SummerSlam, on Sunday I was just online, just constantly looking for um, CM Punk stuff, like see what people were saying about him, like what what was the um, overall um, thought on this guy um, coming to AEW. Um, I think that. Um, and, and the one thing I loved about his promo, and one, one of the things that I didn't like, I first of all I loved when Brock, not uh, when Goldberg came back, uh, what was it circa 2015, 16, something like that? When he came back, um, I thought that was an incredible run by Goldberg. But one of the things that he kept on doing that got on my nerves a little bit was he kept on like putting the onus of his comeback on his son. Like I came back to, so my son could see me wrestle and stuff. And not that I'm not saying that that wasn't part of it, but come on, dude, if they were offering you like, you know, chump chains, you, you wouldn't be coming that back. Let's just call it what it is. I like when Puck said, I'm back for the fans. I also admitted I'm back for myself because I thought that just added a level of genuosity. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard, heard, heard people falsely saying that he apologized to the fans. Um, he didn't apologize. He 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 made he did a make good. He he didn't apologize because he didn't need to apologize. He said, "I understand you, but also understand me mm-hmm. when I say I I wasn't going to, um, you know." hill in the place that I was at um, and then a lot of and then you know people took it to mean WWE um, I thought I took it to mean WWE but I also think I've heard plenty of interviews with this guy talk about his mental space when he left WWE so I also took it to mean the mental place that, that he was at so uh, you know it's funny listening to someone like a, a, a Booker T just and Booker T's not somebody that I give a lot of credence to his opinions, and the reason why I don't is because, like, it, it, he someone called him wrestling Stephen A. Smith. I don't think that <laughs> I, I don't think that's accurate because I do think that even though I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith a lot of the time, I do think Stephen A. Smith's thoughts are. Genu- are genuine and coming from himself. I don't think I don't. I will never accuse Stephen A. Smith of, of nitpicking. That's one thing I won't do. Um, I think Booker T 
uh, I think his goal is to go out there and just say the most heinous shit he could say so people can be talking to about him. For me, after a while, it just kind of loses its luster. It's, it's like different because and then people are, are coming at R-Truth today because I guess R-Truth had a hot take on CM Punk and he didn't like his attitude. But when R-Truth says it, it means a little bit more because R-Truth isn't somebody that's like just constantly just doing this kind of thing. You know? Yeah, like, and look, for the record, like there will be no Uncle Truth slander here. Yeah, on, yeah. on the NWA podcast, like I got all the respect. And, and, and even Probably. with our truth, with his take, it was more so like he talked about Punk complaining about the um, awesome truth um, having to take a back seat to those guys. So it, it was like, hey, this guy talked about me first. I was never impressed by him. That's what our truth res- response was. That that's reasonable um, when you're just out there fucking lying, just for the sake of lying or spinning these bullshit narratives just so you can have a narrative to spin <laughs> all this clickbaity shit and talking about how progressive WWE is as opposed to AEW. It's, it's laughable. Uh, and, you know, Punk did what he was supposed to do. I didn't love what they did on Wednesday, and it wasn't Puck. It was the overall show. I think you follow up, and yeah. that Rampage show should have been followed up with your best shit. Like, if I'm watching Rampage for the first time, I'm seeing uh, Cassidy with his pants in his pockets. I'd have been turned off by that. Like, that was arguably, I, I don't know how you feel about it, Rich. Like, that to me was arguably one of the worst dynamites. Like, it wasn't, like, atrocious, yeah. but, yeah. like, that's how you follow up. Sam right. Punk's debut with this, this, this mid-level, this average uh, dynamite. Yeah, and and to Chris's point, I think when you look at CM Punk and you compare him with our truth, I, I mentioned like whether he's happy or sad. CM Punk's always going to be an ornery guy, so he's not going to be for everybody in the back. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. And when you catch somebody like an R Truth in the bat in, in the wrong mood, like you were saying, it's fair for him to push back when he was like, "I didn't want to lose," and really, he shouldn't take it as him because yeah. the awesome truth was real. I've seen. I, I just mentioned that last night. I, I uh, actually no, I'm sorry. Podcast is starting to bleed it this afternoon. I was talking about one of my favorite retro uh, or uh, changes for a wrestler was when he went from K Quick to Ron the Truth Killings in NWA. Yep. Slash impact, slash TNA, whatever. And I love that. And he he had that edge. And the three live crew kind of did what the awesome truth did. But the Miz, we've never seen the Miz as like a seriously dangerous guy. Right. Because no one ever sees him as a dangerous guy. But I get Ron saying, Hey, no, nah, man, you got you can't be coming at me. On it on the other token, with CM Punk, I think that dynamite really served two things. To Chris's point about unconscious bias, I thought about, would we ever see a black Orange Cassidy? <laughs> Ooh. That's a great question. Because we've seen black comedy acts, but Orange Cassidy is more than a comedy act for AEW. Mm-hmm. Right. Orange Cassidy is a guy that does comedy, but they take his wrestling seriously in a way that, like with Truth. Like, I love Truth, man. Like, like let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's put the Truth cards on the table. Let's, let's tell the truth, because I think some of the best WWE comedy over the last 20, 25 years has been done by this brother. Like, going back, one of my favorite 
Monday Night Raw segments was when Truth was in my home state of Virginia. Oh, yeah. Coming out in the Confederate Guard and said he was seceding from the WWE, Rich. Like, that's an amazingly creative segment. But nobody ever really took Truth as this serious, credible threat in the way that we've seen Orange Cassidy go toe-to-toe with Chris Jericho. Right. And the closest we did was when uh, that was one of my favorite moments for the awesome truth where they uh, uh, messed up the title cage match and waited for the Capitol police to arrest them and just laid down. And that was such a moment, but we never followed up on it again because the people powers that be didn't see those guys that way. And so we could not see them that way on the screen. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Cause I, I like, I personally wouldn't be able to buy um, a black orange Cassidy. Um, and that says a lot about myself, you know, as well as it does about the wrestling companies, because I've just like, I haven't been conditioned in that way to take somebody that of somebody black doing that as serious, you know, and I think a lot of us are like that. We, we, we kind of have, um, these own tropes about black that, you know, WWE has put into our heads about them, you know? Um, and, um, you know, that that's just one thing that needs to be uh, cleaned up about the wrestling business. I think to, a, to an extent, um, AEW um, has those, those same tropes about blacks existing in the way they book. And I'm hope, hopeful that they're kind of getting out of that. Um, and I think CM Punk... Um, is is a is a good person for um, that could help out a lot of the black talent that he's already said that he wanted to work with. Um, I remember CM Punk um, when they asked him how he felt about the Kofi Kingston thing, and he said, "Oh, I liked it, but you know, this is they should have did this ten years ago." And people were were getting on his case for saying that. It's true, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like. It's like, and I got what he was saying behind that. It was like, okay, yeah, it's something to be happy about. Better late than never, I suppose. But you guys should have did this shit in 2009. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't have to, like, put the, he should have been in the title picture for much longer than he was there for. But, yeah, CM Punk, man, he was just, um, it hit on every cylinder's um, Friday night. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, like, I, I noticed somebody's out there listening, man. Maybe they turned off the podcast by now. But they're like, how did they turn this CM Punk topic into a racial topic? And to that question, Rich, I will point to the name of the podcast and say we we have been upfront and, and forthright about what we talk about, what our positions are. And, and my last thing on Punk, man, like, I think he is, is, a, is a boon for AEW. He's a boon for the business, right? We've seen interest in NWA, interest in ROA, interest in some of these indies rise over the past couple weeks because of CM Punk. The rising tide lifts all boats. But one thing I want to see, man, is who's the black CM Punk? Because I think CM Punk is very skilled, right? You know, like I said, the brother can wrestle, the brother can talk, the brother hit at the right time. But who's to say... There weren't three or four black dudes in the back that couldn't have been CM Punk. Or a Latino cat that couldn't have been CM Punk. Or an Asian cat that couldn't have been CM Punk. And so I I think 
part of the ongoing struggle is that opportunity because CM Punk, yes, he had to fight and claw and scratch to get to where he got rich. But there's a dozen other CM Punks that we'll never know of that didn't have the opportunity to even scratch and scrape and claw to get to that spot, man. I think about three people right off the top of my head from that era. Homicide, Jimmy Yang, and uh, that era of uh, just thinking before he became the Macho Man. Back when he was just out of being Hydro in Special K, if you remember that, Jay Lethal. Yes. Like, those are people who really could have had that shot from Ring of Honor, and they just never got it. And I think with CM Punk, the one thing I liked about him was that he's an ally. When he did that faithful picture with uh, Kofi and all the quote-unquote new generation with the championships, yeah. he was always advocating for everybody back there. It wasn't just a, here are my people. It was, I'm, I'm pulling for all of us. Yep. And especially with Triple H and his mindset of what they wanted. And it's so funny, him coming back now as Triple H is on his descent is such a word in terms of just reading that whole situation because he fought for years being called skinny fat and I don't think he's got it babe and all the other stuff that he would talk about to Triple H's face I mean think about the last conversation he had when they told him a match with Triple H at Wrestlemania is like a main event yeah there isn't a black person that's like Triple H so in terms of a person that could be like CM Punk I think as a black dude Asian Latino uh, any person of color, the next CM Punk would be infinitely already behind the eight ball because of those stumbling blocks. For me personally, right now, if they gave him a shot nationally, and I have mentioned him to Tony Khan along with when I mentioned uh, my boy Lee Moriarty, Darius Lockhart. Okay. Right. Yep. Yeah. You put him on Dynamite and you let him do his vignettes in black and white and produce him himself, just like. Darby did and all these other guys produced their own segments, I guarantee he'll get over and he will bring you a level of fan that you haven't seen yet. And you will have it because you're going to have to lean into his gimmick and his truths, which are going to be hard truths to hear, face or heal. And it just, again, like you, you mentioned in Lee Moriarty, man, and that, like that, that just brings to mind so much talent that we have right now. You know, Young talent, talent that's been around for a minute, you know, like thinking about the, the Darius Lockhart's or, you know, the, the Sugar Dunkertons, the, the Black sure. Jesus of the world. Billy, like Billy Dixon, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Billy Dixon is prime and ready, like, if somebody would take that opportunity. And so bringing it back to CM Punk, my big hope with Punk is twofold. One, that he continues to bring eyeballs to AEW, uh, but then – be, and maybe more importantly for the purposes of this show, Rich, is that CM Punk makes good on his word. And he's somebody that can not only go out there and have a great match with a, a Darby Allen, but he's somebody that can elevate a, a powerhouse Hobbs. He's somebody that can elevate, you know, a, a Sammy Guevara. You know, he's somebody that can elevate some of these other brothers who are, who are ready. You know, Ricky Starks, man. Like, Ricky Starks and CM Punk. That's a main event money feud right there, man. And I hope that in addition to lifting up the company... CM Punk is able to lift up some of these brothers who might not have had that opportunity, if not for an advocate, you know, the word of the day, if not for an ally in in somebody like Punk. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons I was happy Mark Henry signed with the company is for a guy like Hobbs, Mm -hmm. 
you need a, a bigger black man to teach you how to work that style right. and kind of make it good for everybody. Because I think there's certain things that maybe you're talking to Dustin Rhodes. Dustin's not going to pick up on that Mark Wood, depending on the town you're in. I think when you're dealing with a CM Punk, he's going to be able to talk to a Ricky Starks like he was cool with Kofi. Like he was cool with all the, no, he was cool with everybody back there. He might have been ornery. If he's in a mood, you might not want to mess with him. But he's going to be there to help. And I think, you know, and this kind of jumping ahead, but... I think same thing with Danielson. I always joke with Travis on the East Coast cast. The thing I enjoyed most about the table for threes is that WWE didn't really police them a lot. Mm-hmm. So people would just be talking about stuff, and you'd get a lot of their real personalities that sneaks through. And in particular, his, Daniel Bryan's, that is, when he did it with Dolph Ziggler and uh, Ryback as the Intercontinental Champions. Hearing him, talk, uh, Ryback, talk about how Daniel Bryan bullies him and just makes fun of him incessantly or sends him videos like YouTube videos of, Hey, you need to do these moves because they would work with your character and work with you. Mm-hmm. And Travis was like, it's probably like triple from something. I'm like, no, it's probably some crazy Euro thing. He saw in a rounds match or something from 1970 that Danielson thought this will fit you. And you get a guy like that in your company and they're motivated, and they know it's not going to fall on deaf ears because if you have a ride back, you go out there and you start doing those moves, Vince is going to be like, hey, 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 come on, come on, young brother. Mm-hmm. Like, who, told, who told you to do Just, Just stick to the, the script. Stick to the plays I gave you, baby. You'll be fine. <laughs> and so with these guys, you get that ring of honor, early 2000s work ethic and ethos, you're going to get more innovation out of those big men. Like, I love uh, uh, Camarada, Nick Camarada. He's, he's a big dude that if you develop, work with Mark Henry, he's going to be fire. But what, why can't he be the most, instead of everybody being in the Cody Rhodes family circus, why can't Nick be like the heavy for Ricky Starks? And that way you don't have powerhouse Hobbs having to take these L's all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm, AEW has so such momentum right now. Like the, mm-hmm. the the kind of mid-level show they gave us on Wednesday aside, like I'm excited, man. Like the, that Arthur Ashe show is going to be bananas. Like the fact that yeah. we've got this enthusiasm, the fact that somebody like a Dan, uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, Bryan Danielson, like that dude is money. Like we talked about the cookout on the first episode here post-wrestling. That right. man has a lifetime invitation to the cookout just for the fact that Without him, maybe we don't get Kofi Mania because he championed right. Kofi behind the scenes. And we need people like that. We need people like Punk because those are the people that have the ear of the promoters, have the ear of the bookers, have the ear of the creative team. And so I'm excited to see what Punk means, yeah. not just for AEW as a company, but what it could mean for some of these younger wrestlers, particularly wrestlers of color coming up, guys. And I'm going to give them props because I know a lot of people are saying uh, – the, what's the the black dude's name in the Rhodes family? Um, the, what's well, his Lee name? Johnson. Lee Johnson. When he came out, I know uh, a lot of people were just uh, weren't like thrilled with it. They said, "I like Lee Johnson, but I mean, he's look, look. I take <laughs> W's for our people wherever we can get them. Uh, I'm glad that brother came out in that last segment. So um, at Lee least Lee Johnson got that main event spot, baby. Yeah, so I, I'm happy for it, man, because yeah. I thought it was. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, Chris, before we pivoted to the to the question of the of the month, like I was just happy, you know, given that that we had Malachi Black in that segment, Rich, that 
you know, he didn't attack Lee Johnson because one thing I will not abide by in my pro wrestling is black on black crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, let's go to this month's Ask an Advocate. And we got a really good question here, Chris, uh, from Dan Away, uh, a.k.a. Mac from Toronto. And if you want to leave a question for the advocates, you can either do so at the Post Wrestling Forum or you can email us uh, at NubianWorldOrder at gmail.com. And so this week's question, fellas, is how did you come across pro wrestling in the first place? Was it something friends and family were into, or did you stumble into wrestling on your own? Uh, Rich, I'll let you go first, man, since you are our guest this week. How did you first get into this crazy, crazy thing called pro wrestling, man? Oh, for me, it was easy. I grew up in New York, pal. So we, since we were in the New York market, everything uh, in terms of Saturday, Sunday after church, uh, wrestling challenge, superstars, they were, you know, right after cartoons. It'd go right on to that on Fox. So it, it just kind of was natural. It just kind of came to me. I didn't find out about WCW until maybe 93, 94, mm. when we went to the video store and got to start renting stuff like Bass at the Beach. And I saw this dude with a painted face that looked like the Ultimate Warrior, but wasn't. <laughs> and that started my path down that, that track. <laughs> Shout out to that goat, the man called Sting, regardless of what the... Yeah, don't let Cam, don't y'all, if y'all listen, don't let Cam Hawkins, don't let Seahawk bring you down with your Sting love. That man is broken. <laughs> he can't accept how, how awesome and amazing Steve Sting Borden is. Yes, the goat. Look, look like, and I don't know, like, you know, maybe this is just a coincidence, you know, uh, but the last time Cam was on the Kings of Sport... Uh, he had some disparaging comments towards that man called Sting, and unfortunately, he hasn't been back. So I don't know if those two things are related. Correlation mm. does not equal causation. But I'm just saying, like, ever since that man bad talk Sting, uh, he ain't been back on the Kings of Sport, even though we got love for Cam. Uh, Chris, uh, what about you? When was the? How did you get into pro wrestling? Was it something similar to Rich, where it hooked you at a young age? Uh yeah. So. Um... You know, I grew up in um, Los Angeles for the first half of my childhood. Then I moved to Tennessee, then back to Los Angeles in four, five, something like that. But yeah, man, um, I think with me, uh, my wrestling trajectory started with my uncle because my uncle watched all kind of wrestling. He's from uh, New, uh, he's from Harrisonburg, Virginia, mm. um, so not that far away from you. No. Um, And he grew up on the NWA, and then uh, I grew up on both kind of – like, Los Angeles is kind of weird because in a lot of ways, we are a a WWE town city. But in a lot of ways, we're like a WCW town city too. Like, Sting was always kind of just loved out here. Um, I remember um, being – here in in middle school and when Hogan and Sting would do like tag team loops on house shows, Sting would always get cheered because people knew Sting was from the LA area mm-hmm. and every time he tagged Hogan, Hogan would get booed. Um, <laughs> and as, as it should be. Yeah, and this was before I even knew um, Hogan wasn't really from Venice Beach. I just think that you know it's 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 just so. And then and then um, with 
with um, Los Angeles, we also had um, WCW would play the form most of the time. That's where the Lakers played. And then um, WWF would play the LA Sports Coliseum, not the Coliseum, the LA Sports Arena. That's where the Clippers played at that time. Um, So um, it was just a really, like, just, you know, I love wrestling. What's kept me into wrestling is just, you know, these, like, behind-the-scenes people like Meltzer and Wade Keller and The Law and stuff like that. Because I would have given up on this shit a long <laughs> time ago if it wasn't for the, the, the behind-the-scenes story. Like, I, like, I don't care about the tabloids, like, the real, like, with real people and stuff. That shit doesn't interest me. Always the behind-the-scenes stuff interests me. That interests me a lot of times more than what I'm seeing on television, man. Like, when you mm-hmm. look like this, this Triple H, Nick Khan, Vince McMahon stuff, that is fucking dynasty right there. That's Dallas. <laughs> that's Empire. That is Succession. All, that's Succession. <laughs> it's all of those shows in one, man. And you're just there waiting to see how it plays out. And you know, and the funny thing is, is even though we already know Nick Khan is not going to succeed in that position, just by not because Nick Khan isn't a talented dude, because I knew I know a couple people who had him as an agent, but just because he's working for Vince McMahon, just like Barrios and Wilson, just mm-hmm. like every other person that's been in those positions. At the end of the day, you got one. God to please. And uh, yeah, so that's the stuff that keeps me interested in wrestling and then just the online fan, the fandom and stuff like that. But yeah, what brought me in is not the same thing that keeps me in. Like a lot of my friends, once they found out wrestling wasn't real, they just fell off of it. Like, you know, I, like, I discovered the Observer like in like high school, and I was like, "What?" And just listen, read it off the stories. <laughs> like it is, it just that's what keeps me in. Mm. So, so, like I, my story is similar, uh, a little bit different, but you know, I first kind of discovered wrestling. Like wrestling, first of all, wrestling. If you're of a certain age, I think I think if you're over thirty, wrestling has always been this thing that was out there, and it was in popular culture. Like every sitcom had a wrestling episode every cartoon had a wrestling episode so i I was always aware of the idea of what professional wrestling was but my mother was actually the person that had me sit down and watch it for the first time you know she's from texas and so her wrestling like the wrestling of her youth was that that world class like the von erickson whatnot like that was that was her jam and so, like, she would get the tapes, and we would watch Carrie and Kevin and, and David and all them boys, uh, every, all of them except for Lance. We, we, we don't support Lance Von Eric in the Milton household. Uh, <laughs> but we, we would watch these. And, and so then the natural progression, you know, when, when you get that first hit, Rich fan, it's like, what's next? What can I, what can I find next? And being in Virginia, uh, you know, Virginia, Atlanta, you know, we were always kind of based in the south, the early part of my childhood. And so we were in NWA country, WCW country. And yeah. so Flair and Sting and Steamboat, 
Uh, like, those are my guys. The Midnight Express, uh, R.I.P. to Bobby Eaton. Like, those were my guys back in the day. Right. And then it just kind of grew. Like, Sundays, I love that Rich brought up Sundays. Because Sundays, and maybe this is a uniquely black thing, but Sundays at my house were weird. You know, because my, my family is very uh, religious, very spiritual. So we would always be at church. And then when we got home, it was like everybody had... Uh, an hour of TV while we were, you know, eating and decompressing or whatever. So my sister would get the first hour and she'd always want to watch some kind of cartoon or whatever. Pops would get the second hour and Pops would always want to watch Tony Brown's journal. And for anybody of a certain age that, that is black, like Tony Brown's journal was the driest television program ever. It came on PBS, was an hour long. It was Tony Brown. He's an old black journalist talking about old news stories. And it was just the like that was the that was the the vegetables I had to get through rich so that I could get my one hour of WCW or WWF on Sunday and then you know it just grew from there and I think Chris brings up a really interesting point because I've got a lot of friends that have kind of fell off in, in terms of used to be big fans and now like they're interested when something like punk happens, but for the most part, they don't care. Like they'll they'll show up for WrestleMania because that's more an event than a, an actual wrestling thing. But for the most part, they're checked out. But I always stuck with it, and I always found like different different strains to continue the drug metaphor to feed my my fix. You know, if WCW yeah. wasn't hitting, I check out WWF. WWF right. wasn't hitting. Let's see what's up with this ECW. ECW is yeah. not hitting. Let's go. Let's go for a little international. Right, yeah. Check out this AAA. Check out this New Japan. Check out yeah. you know some of this other stuff that's out there. And so, yeah, it's when I moved, been something that I've, that yeah, I've been I, interested in, and I like I don't know when. Like, if if you paid me a million dollars, this is this is gonna sound crazy, Chris. If you paid yeah. me a million dollars and said you can't watch wrestling no more for the rest of your life, I would probably have to tell you to take that money, man, because I I can't do it. Like it's just part of who, right. of who I am now. <laughs> yeah, no, same here. Like when I moved to Knoxville in middle school, um, w- one of the great, because I hated Tennessee when I first got to Tennessee, and then I grew to um, to love that place. But like that, you I got all this like Knoxville wrestling, Smoky Mountain wrestling, Memphis wrestling, all this just great, great stuff. And then I found out that it was a world outside of um wwe and wcw so that 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 is it's just those kind of things that kind of um just kept my uh fire burning for um wrestling because i'm not i you know my allegiance isn't to one company my allegiance is just to uh the the genre of professional wrestling yeah and i do think like there's there's something to be said like for people like us people like rich that you know people like john and wade they grew up watching the thing and now cover the thing or give commentary on the thing or give opinions on the thing and it's like even when wrestling is bad you know like yeah it's good to have folks like us and and folks like wade and 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 folks like uncle dave like even when a thing is bad you can still enjoy it you can still Love it for what it can be, even if it's not that thing right now. Right, so, yeah. Like I think Rich, like Rich, if if I came to you, if I had, if I made up this fake scenario where somebody was trying to throw away a million dollars and say, Rich fan, I give you a million dollars if you never watch a minute of wrestling again for the rest of your life. Could could you do it? Because I honestly, I don't think I could. 
No, I mean, just it, it, it depends on how strict they are with it. Like, I'm one Malcolm in the middle away, or one wrestler in the middle of a a, a, a wrestler appearing as a superhero, because you know at some point they're going to suplex somebody. I'm like, oh, that reminds me of it. As soon as I'm, I'm, my, my fingers are already on the YouTube link and watching a match of theirs. So, yeah, no, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, that's how deep we are into this, man. But uh, shout-out to Mac, man. Uh, that was yeah. a great... Great question. Uh, yeah, keep keep the questions coming, man, because um, I love that, that you know we can kind of talk about our experience, which you know it might be different than a lot of people listening, but I'm sure there's some commonalities and some similarities. So uh, we appreciate that question. Uh, but that's gonna do it for this this show, man. Like this has been a great great episode of of the podcast, man. And before we leave, before we get out of here, Ritz fan, in addition. Just stepping on these milk crates in the hood right now. What you got going on? <laughs> what you got going on? The torch. Let people know uh, what what we can expect from one brother rich fan. Uh well, let me see, brother Nate. I got I got uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, everything mailbag with Zach Hadorn, the assistant editor there at the Torch. We go through some questions like, what would have happened if the WWE folded in the eighties? We did a full like what if scenario and how the other territories would have reacted. Uh, questions on why do fans care so much about ratings and stuff like that. Uh, I also have on my show The Deep Dive, which is on the PW Torch Daily Cast. All of these are on the Torch. If you look at the Torch anywhere you get podcasts, you'll find me. Uh, but my Deep Dive show on Saturday, I have Mark Blutman, the, uh, one of the showrunners and writers for Boy Meets Girl- World, Girl Meets World, Ghost Rider on uh, Apple TV. And he talks through Nick Khan. Super agent. He talks through how WWE failed Bianca from a pure to- storytelling t- standpoint. And when a brother's got an Emmy <laughs> for writing, I'm going to listen to what he had to say, especially considering he wrote a few mu- uh, almost a year ago for WWE for a cup of coffee. And so he talked about that experience, too. And then finally, I'll have my Everything with Rich Fan VIP show I have with Wade Keller, the editor, publisher of The Torch, where we talk about the uh, week's events and literally everything. Mostly we have a succession theme to it so if you haven't seen HBO's show we will try to convince you to do so uh, but thank you so much for having me on and I always appreciate it and always appreciate chopping it up with you and Chris awesome and where can people find you on these Twitter streets brother oh uh, easy you can find me on Twitter at rich underscore fan F-A-N-N happy to chat with you happy to chop it up uh, just don't be that weirdo that comes in my mentions <laughs> to tell me you know hey eight years ago I disagreed with you about a take on applesauce, and so you suck, dude. Like that's not what we're about here. Like, let's just <laughs> let's just chill. Real quick, think, talking about things that don't suck, Rich. Uh, we we mentioned it off the, off the top when you came on the show this week. But uh, let the people know about your experience at AEW in Pittsburgh. Uh, how, how was that, man? Being being in the building for for your returning hometown hero, even though I, I think she's supposed to be a heel, mm-hmm. Britt Baker, DMD. Oh, I thought it was awesome. The fans loved her. Hopefully now the uh, evil rumor that Pittsburgh was a bad town is kind of put to bed because it's not necessarily a bad town when you give it something they want to cheer for. Or if you put it in an arena that's built for the acoustics you want as a wrestling company. I argue that going to the PPG Paints Arena where the Penguins play, while it's a bigger venue, it's also the sound carries and then it just kind of dies. And so... I don't think they're going to take the time and haven't taken the time to mic it the right way. 
because I usually would hear chants in the arena, but it would be the opposite. Instead of people kind of going along with the crowd, it'd be, let's go Steelers, let's go Penguins, and they don't want you to hear that, so it sounds like a muted mess. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a great time. I thought the the local talent, they had Lee there, so I was like, okay, I'm happy to see Lee start to get that, that dark shine, and let's get him on Dark Elevation, Dark C-Lab 2020, and then let's get him on that TV show and get that man paid. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. Like I the last live show I've been to was probably five years ago. It was a SmackDown taping in Hampton. And so like when the news came out this past week that AEW is coming to Norfolk, like you already know. I'ma be there. I'm a I'ma be as close to, to the ring as I can. I'm going to be singing Judas off-key, Rich. I'm, I'm ready <laughs> for it, man. Like, I'm, I'm excited about what AEW is doing right now. Uh, Chris, I know you are excited about not only AEW, but all things pro wrestling. Let the people know what you got going on, man, where they can find you on Twitter, and uh, where they can be, be uh, enlightened by one Professor Chris Eaton. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at K-N-E-Z Does It. Um, I, um, I've, I've been using Twitter a lot more. I still don't have the app on any of my uh, mobile platforms because I just – I don't need to be drunk tweeting and shit like that. I, I prefer <laughs> – like anytime I'm on Twitter, it's words that I'm like consciously – typing without any kind of inebriation, so um, I want to keep it that way. Um, so and you, uh, What you're saying is when, when you're on Twitter, you you off that Moderna and Hennessy, unlike the, the podcast we did? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that first podcast, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I, and I, I want to give a, a shout-out to the, uh, the people in this wrestling space, and I know... Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, WWE fans and stuff that the sycophants that, um, do not like the internet, internet wrestling community or journalists or whatever. Um, honestly, if we didn't take wrestling seriously, nobody else would. And, um, I'm not even calling myself a, a wrestling journalist. I'm a talking head. Um, but yeah, like, um, like, Pardon us for treating uh, wrestling with some degree of like reverence and like you know caring about the way people booking or booked and shit, not brushing it off as like silly wrestling. You know what I'm saying? So um, you know that's that's where I'm at on that. So. Yeah, like I, I always say, you know, I always say you can love a thing, whether that be a movie or a TV show. Or- <laughs> a piece of music or a piece of art, you can love a thing and still be critical of that thing and want that thing to be better. And so us having complaints, us having, you know, constructive criticism does not mean that we don't love wrestling. Uh, Cause you just heard us say in a pandemic economy that we wouldn't take a million dollars to never watch wrestling again. So we, we, we about this wrestling life, but it, it can be better. And, and that's part of why we do this show is to, throw out ideas and our opinions on how it can be better. And so if you want to hear more of my thoughts on wrestling and sports and, and comic stuff and whatever, you can check me out on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic. Of course, check out the Kings of sport podcast. Uh, 
myself for the moment. I am the only king. I'm the sole king. I'm the head of the table. I'm, I'm the tribal chief of the Kings of Sport. As we get closer to episode 300, uh, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Five bucks gets you in the door. If you want to pay more, we won't stop you. Uh, I've got the Naomi podcast over at DC TV podcast, along with the Lituation Room, which is a show that used to be known as the Black Lightning podcast. And now we talk about all sorts of things. Like we just did a show on the Suicide Squad and other topics from a nerdy, blurdy perspective. Uh, so you can check that out. I've got the main event and the chain reaction over at Place to Be Nation. I got the Rocky My Via Picture Show here at Post, which is on hiatus, but you never know when uh when when it'll pop back up. Uh, I got a lot of stuff, man. Too some would say too many shows, but hey, like we got time in in, in this pandemic life. So that's where you can find me at in the number eight M O Z A I K. And if you want to send feedback for this show, again, nubianworldorder at gmail dot com or hit us up on the post wrestling forum. So. That's going to do it for another successful edition of the NWA podcast. Shout out again to our brother, Rich Fan, for joining the show. Happy to have Rich as always. Glad that Rich was able to join us for more than 26 seconds. I'm glad you could make time, bro. <laughs> Happy to do it. And, you know, we, you know, uh, NWA never has to worry about getting pushed out of the way in the favor of a short timer or. You know, you're not going to pull out an old host who's been injured for a few weeks. And- yeah. Like, Brian Mann is not coming back to take over this show as much as I love Brian Mann. So, <laughs> uh, shout out to Rich for joining us. Uh, shout out to Chris, as always, for being my tag team partner. Shout out to Andrew Thompson, who brought you the news it's earlier right, in this episode. Right. And shout out to John Pollock and Wade Tink for providing the platform. So that is going to do it for the NWA podcast. This month, we'll be back next month with an all-new edition of the Nubian Wrestling Avenue. So, for Rich Payne, for Andrew Thompson, for Chris Ely, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. And remember, the revolution may not be televised, but it damn sure will be podcast. See y'all next time. It's for the culture and we repping it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.